The most dangerous man in Silicon Valley sits in an office in this building. People love him and hate him, often at the same time. For 10 years, by sheer force of will, he made the personal computer industry follow his direction. With this guy, we're not talking about someone driven by the profit motive and a desire for an opulent retirement at the age of 40. No, we're talking holy war. We're talking rivers of blood and fields of dead martyrs to the cause of greater computing. We're talking about a guy who sees the personal computer as his tool for changing the world. We're talking about Steve Jobs. The only problem with Microsoft is they just have no taste. They have absolutely no taste. And, and, and what that means is, I don't mean that in a small way, I mean that in a big way, in the sense that they, they don't think of original ideas and they don't bring much culture into their product. Um, and, and you say, well, wh why is that important? Well, you know, proportionally spaced fonts come from typesetting and beautiful books. That's where one gets the idea. If it weren't for the Mac, they would never have that in their products. Um, and so I, I guess I am saddened, not by Microsoft's success. I have no problem with their success. They've earned their success for the most part. I have a problem with the fact that they just make really third-rate products. Tim Riley would be proud. I know. Not just because of this, obviously, but because of that right there, specifically today. I wish Tim Riley were here to hear that. I'd like to think that wherever Tim Riley is today, he was listening to Steve Jobs. No. Right. Steve Jobs was just a bastard, by the way. Which is one of the reasons, like, what the, the things that make Steve Jobs just such, a, just such an absolute dick are the same things that make him wonderful. There you go. Thank you, Steve Jobs. All right. Why, hello, it is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this, the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the lushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970, The Talker. This, my friends, the compadres, mi amigos, my fellow travelers on the road of whimsy, where it is always night. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson uh, radio program here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Here's our telephone number today if you would like to engage with us in that fashion. It is 503 970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. And joining us later on in the noontime hour today, uh, late of 94.7 KNRK, Jamie Cooley will be stepping in today as we continue our uh, sort of... It's not a trait, it's a thing. As we continue our thing... Of our having, <laughs> continue our shameless gimmick and relentless pandering to the American lust for novelty. Uh, a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Yesterday, Ron Pivo. Today, Jamie Cooley. Uh, so that'll be later on in the, uh, in the noontime hour, ladies and germs. 
All right, it's uh, 503 733 2970. Oh, I dropped my pen. There you go. Did you find it? Yes, I did. 503 733 2970. Also, coming up today, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will be joining us from the Hill. I think that Blagojevich guy named a senator. I think they named the guy that's going to fill Barack Obama's uh, Senate seat. None of, the, none of that is interesting to me, of course. I just care about that guy and whether we get to see him take it out of manacles again. Not Barack Obama, the other guy. Uh, Bob Costantini will join us as well. And uh, we'll also talk to senior radio correspondent Ed McCarthy, who will track the state of American consumer confidence at this point. Uh, coming up today, top five. So yesterday, in fact, I think you just heard it on the recap. Yesterday I did my top five songs released in 2008. Uh, so that was yesterday. Today, Jamie Cooley will do her top five songs from 2008. Tomorrow, Sarah Dillon will do her top five songs released in 2008 uh, as part of a New Year's. So we're here today. We're here tomorrow. We're gone Thursday and Friday because we just don't yeah. care. We care less. We care. By and large, we care as much as we usually do. But I would we say. We care 60% of the week. That's There you go. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Have out of a have not, Sarah. Uh, so the glass is 60% entertaining this week. Uh, the rest is just filled with emptiness and pain. So we'll be gone Thursday and Friday, then we're back uh, Monday, and we're uh, we're never leaving again. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com will be joining us later on today. Uh, Don Taylor, uh, critic for Film.com, will be in the studio as well. Joy of Christmas coming up today. We got to today and tomorrow for Joy of Christmas, then we're done with that for the year. Uh, Joy of Christmas coming up. Geek Watch coming up today. Penis Watch coming up today. I got to at some point. We mentioned this a little bit, and it's on my uh, it's on my blog. I got to read the list of stuff that the Glorious Bastard of the Year will win tomorrow. We're going to announce the Glorious Bastard of the Year for 2008. I mean, it's just it's just astounding. This I mean, it's a never ending list of stuff. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. And other things of that nature. So Lisa Desjardins, Bob Costantini, Ed McCarthy, uh, the top five. Jamie Cooley will join us. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Don Taylor from Film.com. Joy of Christmas. Geek Watch. Penis Watch. And more. Uh, so that is uh, all on the way today, ladies and gents. If you'd like to join us, it's 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. Right. I'm just looking up uh, random news stories. There's some good news today. There really is. And by good, you mean terrible. And by good, I mean fantastically horrible. I don't even know what that was. You said you had a fantastic corpse watch, and I don't even know what it is. Yeah, and by, yeah. It's, it's just the grossest thing. That's not the one about the corpses stacked inside a boxcar, is it? No, this is one where a guy went to visit his family and all of them were dug up and their coffins were open. Wow! I didn't see that coming. Neither did he. Okay. Well then, it's going to be a fantastic program. Uh, so that is uh, so that's on the agenda as well. Hello, yes. how are you today? Oh, I'm all right. Are you only all right? Yes, I'm okay. Anything you'd like to share with the class? Nothing I'd like to share, but I had kind of an interesting day yesterday. You had an awkward evening? Yes. In fact, I did. But I uh, did go and see a movie. I saw uh, City of Elder. Oh, we, that's a post-apocalyptic wasteland thing. Yeah, yeah. Except for, um, yeah, it's all these people, like, the, the Earth is uninhabitable, so they all uh, live under the Earth. And their city's powered by this giant generator, and they have, like, lights and stuff. It's a really, like, pretty-looking movie. It has Bill Murray in it. I'd never heard anything about it. I don't even think I'd heard that it was out. I mean, I don't no. remember even I, I guess it. it's based on a children's book. I went and saw it at um, the Avalon yesterday, Fantastic. which is a really cool place to see it. The Avalon movie. is a great theater. I'm a big fan of that place. Yeah, it was really neat. So, uh, yeah, I went and saw that, and then things went horribly awry, but then I'm here today. But now you're here, Sarah, and here everything is good. Yes. You know, it's always, it's, it's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always a good day here in the AM 970. It is. I'm in my happy bubble in here looking at the horrific stories on That's the Internet. That's what I'm saying. Hey, speaking of the happy bubble, have you guys gotten this other 
It's so sad. They, uh, you know, now that Tim's not here, they forward all of Tim's CBS mail to me. So every day when I, every day when I think I'll have a moment of peace, I come in and my, like, I got three times as much mail because they're forwarding all of Tim's stuff to me, which I guess they're gonna do for however long, and then it'll, then one day it'll just stop. No, no, you want it to continue. Anyway, so, uh, so Tim and I both got the prompt to do this. Your coworkers and you creating a harassment-free workplace environment. Have you guys gotten this yet? Richie, Sarah? I haven't checked my email yet today. All right. Well, at I don't some get point. Any of the emails. Nah, but see, you should be, though. You should be getting that. You don't wish to harass, Richie. Yeah. Well, not on Richie. Don't you have to take all the tests and everything that we do? Richie, don't. even Asians can offend. Let's nope. have no illusions don't about no that. Tests, no, you, uh, look, you don't you, take no tests? No. Nope. I don't take no. I don't know. No, take no tests. I didn't get none of the emails. Like, I didn't get none of the emails, like, when. Uh, you didn't are get you none. Like I get none of this. Yeah. Booga booga. So you didn't get none of the emails. I got none. All right, well, whatever. In any event, so check your email box at some point. And if you don't get the uh, your coworkers and you, from... okay, I. What like do you mean you do... stuff? Stop, stop talking uh -huh. now. What do you mean you don't get any emails? Oh, uh, like, like uh, when there was uh, headphones missing, I didn't get that email. Are you not on the uh, there? Because when you send stuff out here, I'm sure everybody at home cares about the intricacies of the CBS Radio Portland email system. But you can either send to. There's three different ways you can email here. And this is the most fascinating conversation we're going to have all day. You can email directly, such as Richie at 970.am. You can email to a group, like you can say all salespeople, or you can email to just program directors or just uh, people in the traffic department. Or you can do all, like, because we're in three different buildings. We're at First Avenue and then the Coin Tower and then the Kink Building. Uh -huh. And you can do to all of that building. Like, you can say to everybody at First I'm Avenue. I'm not in there either. Really? Yeah, like... You're not in, like, the, the universal... Are you sure that you're actually employed here? I don't know. Maybe I'm under the radar. <laughs> I mean, the checks are sort of, I mean... Maybe they return the cans, and that's how I get paid. I mean, in, in as much as the check has any substance to it at all, I mean, it actually appears, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, in any event, um, well, I'll get right on that, Richie, because I don't want you to miss out on the precious experience that is your coworkers and you, a harassment-free workplace environment and how to create it, which I had to take last night, by the way. Uh, and just for the record, if you're going to have to uh, take this, like if you're interested in becoming a CBS radio employee, they claim that this test takes 45 minutes. I did it in nine. There you go. Not, and I passed, bitches. Uh, so 40 minutes they said to block it. Nine minutes I was done. And I only missed one question. You I, missed one? Okay, but let me... For see, shame. But see here. I would like to tell you guys... I would like to tell you the answer that I, you know, that I got wrong on the CBS harassment-free workplace thing, but I don't think I can because I think you guys still have this on your agenda. I think you and you and Richie are going to have to take this test. If I fail. Let me put it this way. Let me ask you this. Sarah, let's say you have a Halloween party coming up. Okay. Now, equal opportunity, uh, you know, laws, which are, you know, like you can't say, like, I'm not hiring you because you're missing a leg or something. Like, you know, you can't, like, you can't tell somebody I'm not going to hire you because I don't like, uh, you know, like you got the, like, oh, the car, color of your eyes or something. Do equal opportunity laws protecting discrimination and harassment in the workplace, do they apply to you, Sarah Dillon, if you are trying to decide which of your coworkers to invite to your Halloween party? Yes. I'm not going to answer. I'm just going to say... Wait, what? I don't get the question. Okay. The, the, look, you're going to... Look, it's not just me you have to worry about. This is Les Moonves. This is uh, Dan Mason is quizzing you on these things personally. I mean, not personally, but... And some minion creators for you. All right. If you are throwing a Halloween party, you, Sarah Dillon, at your house, throwing a Halloween party, do equal opportunity laws govern the selection of which coworkers you may uh, or, you know, you choose to invite to your Halloween party? In other words, when you're kind of going through the list of people you work with, 
do you have to sort of pay attention to equal opportunity laws in deciding which of your coworkers to invite to your house for a Halloween party? No. I'm going to say no. Richie, what do you think? You mean I can't, like, invite just the girls? I'm not going to... I'm not going to give the answer away right now, Richie, because you still have to take the test. What do you believe? Uh, what do you think the answer well, is? Well, because you're asking. You have to I follow believe. the same rules? Yeah, sure. You know, Richie, the answer may surprise you. So you'll find out when you take the test. I'm oh. just going to say there was only one question I missed, and it was that one. But then I took... But here's Okay, the, I think I have that business conduct statement. Right there. Training module. I think the training module, and it's the harassment-free workplace environment. I think you got to take that one. There's also part about, like, don't take graft and... See. You have like one them. day's left to complete it. Yeah, you got to do it by, by by midnight tomorrow, or I think they uh, fire you. I, I think they just cut off your head, Sarah. Oh, jeez. So, all right, so get on that. Block on 40 minutes. Not everybody is me. Right. I did it in nine. Well, I'll take it during the yeah. I'll take it during the show, so that way we can compare notes. Fantastic. Uh, and so I did actually. I wrote down this phrase though from the CBS uh, harassment-free workplace environment quiz, and I think I can ask this. Without sort of because obviously I don't want to you know tip tip you, know, you guys off to any of the answers because you have to you have to pass this under your own steam Richie and Sarah I can't be giving you a fish uh, in terms of taking these CBS tests you must learn to fish yourself in a completely non-harassing uh, fashion let me read you this this quote though I was going to do this later but we'll just skip ahead to this and then we'll talk about my exciting new purchase which was in fact a MacBook. Uh, that I bought over the holidays. That was the reason for our Steve Jobs clip at the beginning of the show. Um, okay, I'm going to read this to you now. You all tell me what you think about this. Your coworkers and you, harassment-free workplace environments and how to maintain them. So I'm going to read you something, and you tell me if you if you know the answer to this, Sarah. Okay. It says this is just this is not a question, so it's not like I'm uh, you know I'm not giving anything away here. I mean you know this is I'm not in any way sort of prejudicing or affecting your uh, you know the outcome of your test. This is just sort of a passage from the CBS harassment-free workplace. And by the way, if anybody out there thinks they're listening to a rerun, this is different than the blue book, like how not to be, like the, like the no ethnic slurs book or whatever that I was reading to Lisa Desjardins from a couple weeks ago. This is different. This is, it, it, we, this is actually Tuesday, December 30th, 2008. This is a brand new show. They're just making me take a whole separate test because CBS loves to test you on things. Um, okay, this is part of the explanation they give before the quiz starts. They are explaining sort of the underpinnings of the CBS non-harassment policy. It says, for this reason, CBS has a zero-tolerance policy for sexual harassment and for any harassment and discriminatory treatment based on race, color, sex, religion, national origin, ethnicity, age, marital status, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, disability, veteran status, height, weight, genetic information, or any other characteristic protected by applicable law. So my question to you, Sarah, is what is the difference between race, color, religion, oh, I'm sorry, what is the difference between race, color, national origin, or ethnicity? They ask you that? No, but I'm saying, like, what? what is the difference? I'm asking you what the difference is. Well, I mean, so, like, my race, so I'm white or Caucasian. But Or is that your color? Okay, so maybe my ha! maybe my race is Caucasian, Pwned! my color is white, and I'm Irish. But you're not really white. You're more of a peach color. I'm kind of peachy. No, okay, no. then, okay, then what is your ethnicity? Irish? Then what is your national origin? Ireland? See? <laughs> See, it doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. 
He says, no discriminatory treatment based on race, color, sex, religion, national origin, uh, ethnicity, age, marital status, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, disability, veteran status, height, weight. Who discriminates based on height? Height, weight, genetic information. You work with a little person. Or any other care. I believe they prefer to be called midgets, Sarah. Or any other. I don't know. Or any other characteristic protected by applicable law. So there's like four terms here that all mean the same thing to me. What's gender expression? I see. I don't know what that means either. What is, okay, what's the difference between gender identity and gender expression? Well, if I express I'm a drag queen running around upstairs, I could get in trouble, right? Yeah, just like that Safeway, you know, guy who dresses like a Transvestite. Yeah, so like... Now, what Maybe is, he wants to be treated like a woman, but, now, but you can tell he's a man. But what is gender identity, then? Well, whether you have... Isn't that what, you ident- like, what, what gender you identify with? Like, so is, is one feeling like you're a woman and the other is dressing like you're a woman? Uh-huh. Is that the difference? I think so. And then sexual orientation is just who you like to hump? Yeah, that's the mixture of the two. <laughs> it's also very... But you see why when I was plunging into the test portion of this yesterday, uh, when they started to quiz me, it, it, it is the kind of thing that can unnerve you. Because I feel... This is like that all Chinese waiters are blank business they were giving us in this last uh, sort of non-harassment quiz, which it seems like I just took a couple of weeks ago. Because as I'm sort of getting into this, I realize that I have no idea what any of these terms mean. And then I start, but then you do this thing in your head and you go, well, wait a minute. Aren't race and color and national origin and ethnicity all the same thing? Wait a minute. Am I a racist for thinking that? God, I don't even know anymore. Oh, I just ought to remove myself from the gene pool now. So then it starts. To, then you start to kind of get inside your own head about it, where you, you don't even know what the answer is, and then you just start to worry that you're, you know. And then I worry that like you know that uh, that uh, you know I'm just going to end up like one of my uh, wife's nutcase relatives giving the answer of clan to something in a game of scat. <laughs> all right. Well, in any event, so you all have that to look forward to when you take the test. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we'll get to some other things here. Uh, then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins at the bottom of the hour. So we played that Steve Jobs clip at the top of the show. Because? And it was, in fact, to celebrate uh, the purchase of a brand new MacBook. Yay! Owned by me, Rick Emerson. Welcome, Rick, to the smart side. See, but here's the thing about the Mac is everybody has said some variation on that statement. Every single person. Had, like when you buy, look, and don't get me wrong, I have a Windows desktop at home. Uh, you know, I'm running a Windows desktop right here, and in fact, I say this just to it. Here's the great thing about the MacBook and the way I'm running it, though, is I kind of get the best of both worlds. Uh, it's some sort of computer bisexuality where I have a MacBook, but because of some applications I need to run that aren't made for the Mac, I actually have Windows running inside my Mac. So <laughs> it's kind of great because it allows me to be an equal opportunity irritator. You know what I mean? Because the first thing people say is they go, hey, that's so great that you're running a MacBook. And I go, yeah, and they had Windows for it. And then they just sort of, you know, and then they kind of crinkle up their noses in disgust and they walk away. So I got a MacBook over the holidays and, you know, and I've said for a long time that Steve Jobs is a, is a big hero of mine. And Mac really does make, Apple makes fantastic products. They really do. And, and you know, and I say that without, without any kind of snarkiness. I've said that forever, that Apple really does make they really make exceptional computers and exceptional products in a lot of ways. But for the longest time, it was just sort of like, it was just a, like off-puttingly smug nature of other people who use Apple. And even more than that, it was the goddamn people at the Apple store. So I go to the Apple store with uh, a friend of Lars who was going to kind of walk me through the process. And by the way, I should thank our friend Thomas Gill, who, you know, who kind of gave me some specs and told me what to look for and, you know, kind of helped me figure out exactly what it is I needed. So I go into the Apple store. 
And first, let me just say this. Did you go to the one downtown? I went to the one downtown. And for such, a, such an exceptionally, seemingly happy and attractive group of people, they just have no sense of humor. Steve Jobs is talking about how uh, Microsoft has no sense of taste. People who are Apple enthusiasts have no sense of humor at all. Because I walk in there and, you know, some woman comes up and she says, Hi, welcome to the Apple store. Can I help you? And you completely nailed it, Richie, when you said it was like a religion. Because uh -huh. I walk into the Apple store and, of course, the first thing you do is you just feel ugly. I mean, if you're me anyway. You just feel like you're hideous and you're underdressed because everything is, like, color-coordinated and it's like some special shade of ivory and it's blonde wood and it's got like this sort of gray and pink, like, recessed lighting fixtures in the ceiling. So I just feel like a tool standing there. I just feel all grubby and douche-like. And the woman comes up and she says, welcome to the Apple store. Can I help you? And this guy, Trevor, who was with me, who was helping me out, he looks at the woman and he looks at me and he goes, well, this is my friend Rick. And, um, well, you know, Sonia, he's converting, which is the phrase he actually used. And she did this thing of, like, leaning forward and she, like, touched my arm like she was Bill Clinton. She goes, honey, I am so glad. Welcome aboard. We embrace you. Oh my God. I know, and in my head I was just thinking, oh Christ, there's still time. It was like being hugged mentally over and over and over, like the whole time. And don't get me wrong, I really love the MacBook, as I knew I would. I mean, I, you, know, I, you know, despite people... But people, it's just a product, it's just another consumer yeah, but product, but it's not, it's not Jesus. Well, and people think, people think that I sort of, that I dislike Macs or Apple, and I really don't. I mean, I've said forever that they make exceptional products, it was just that they didn't... There was a lot of software I wanted to run that didn't run on the Mac, and frankly, it was like the Apple culture that I found so distasteful. I have to tell you, though, for like the 45 minutes I was in the Apple store, it was like having... It was like having... Mental hug after mental hug. It was like every time they talked to you, you expected to hear the tinkling of wind chimes in the background. So she hands me off to this guy, Eric. And Eric comes up and Eric says, Hi, I'm Eric and I'm going to be your uh, assistant today in the Apple store. Uh, Sonia tells me that you're going to be converting. What What are we buying today? And I said, Well, Eric, I need to buy the $12.99 uh, MacBook and I need, uh, you know, VM Fusion so I can run Windows. Also, I'm going to need the iWork uh, office application, and I think that'll be it, plus a wireless adapter. Let's go. And, okay, that's great. So what are you going to be using this for? And I said, well, I have some outside the businesses that I'm going to be working on, outside projects, and that's great. That's great. What brought you to Apple? What, what, Rick, is your name? Can I call you Rick? Rick, oh, God. so what, what brought you here today? I'm like, you know, I just need a computer, and this apparently is the and place that sells them. Please don't talk to me anymore. Don't touch me. Get your hand off my arm. Give me the computer. Here's my credit card. Please, for the love of Christ, let me get out of here. And I tried to sort of make jokes with the guy, because, you know, that's my whole thing. It's kind of break the ice. You know, whenever I kind of feel uncomfortable, I turn on, I turn on the humor. And so this guy, Eric, at, the, at the, uh, the Apple store, I ask him, I say, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be a little snarky with him. And I say, uh, by the way, you know, there's some there's some uh, applications like Adobe Audition that I'm going to have to run that require Windows. So, uh, you know, I understand that uh, the Mac will do that. And I was sort of joking with him. I said, so, Eric, let me ask you, you know, when you know when you have to help somebody install Windows on their MacBook, does it you know pain you a little bit? Does it cause you a little bit of anguish? And he kind of looked at me and he sort of blinked and he said, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And I said. You know, when you have to help somebody install Windows on their on their Mac, does it like does a little bit of you die inside? Does it make you unhappy? <laughs> and he looks at me, and I swear to God, this is what he says. He looks at me and he goes, "Well, Rick, 
I mean, it doesn't make me unhappy. The only thing that would make me unhappy is if your Mac experience was anything less than fantastic. And if your experience as an Apple user, we don't like to say consumer, we say user, if anything was less than perfect in your experience as a Mac user, as part of the Mac community, Rick, that's what would make me unhappy. So whatever you're going to need to feel like your Mac experience is perfect, that's what I want to do for you. And at that point, it was like I felt like just peeling off my skin with a cheese grater. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why I've resisted the Apple for so long, because they're all like that. They're all like that. I don't mean like you all in here who use the Mac. I mean the people at the, at the Apple store. You know, no, who sell it. That, like their essence, that's like what they're all about. Like they recognize themselves because they are a Mac user. I, I don't identify with any consumer product like that. I, oh. I just have a computer. It's just that's you know, what I'm saying. It, it works. That's all I need. So that being said, I mean, I'm using it. It's great and it's wonderful. But, but boy, I mean, I really do see why I put it off for so long because it was just an excoriating, excruciating hell. I mean, it was. You know, it's sort of like it's sort of like finding some uh, some nitwit uh, faith healer. You know, that you suspect might actually be able to help you, but you got to just, l- like, listen through a bunch of hippy-trippy uh, claptrap. I mean, that's really, you know, on the off chance that whatever they're going to do is actually going to cure your uh, your phlebitis or something. So that's what it was. Hey, guess, so, by the way, guess what the first purchase I made online using my new MacBook was? Hmm. You have to guess. Um, Laptop case. No. No, no, no. I bought all the accessories there, so I never have to go back. No. No, I didn't, but I will be doing that uh, probably in the um, new year. Thank you. No, not bad. Gray makeup for the TV show. No, no, no. I was sitting on my couch last night using my uh, Wi-Fi connection at my home on my new MacBook. I purchased something online. Do you have any guess? Uh, lingerie. No. No. Um. A book. No. At palsbooks.com. All right. This is not as exciting as I thought it no, would be. No, we, we keep guessing. I'll, <laughs> tell you when, I'll tell you when we get back. Okay. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Lisa Desjardins coming up. Bob Costantini, Ed McCarthy, and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Rick Emerson radio program coming up here in two minutes ago. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us. Uh, we'll also talk to uh, CNN radio correspondent Bob Costantini, Amanda Moyer, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Uh, let's see. Well, Don Taylor from Film.com and Jamie Cooley, uh, late of 94.7 KNRK, will be here to fill in for the late off. Uh, Tim Riley. So there you go. All right. See, and this is the pro- Here's the thing about... Um, Here's the thing about about confessing, and see, and I even say confessing about this about this MacBook purchase. Is it now everybody? This is this is like saying this is like talking about who you voted for, or like uh, you know. So how do you feel about gun control and abortion? You know, and then it's like you say that, and then immediately it's like half the room is polarized against you. So, uh, so I've been you know a Windows user my whole life. So I just had this for the break. I was about I bought this MacBook, and. And so I'm just looking at the email as it's coming in. And so now there's only two kinds of email coming in. There's the whole, thank you for joining us. I knew you'd come around eventually. And then, of course, there's all the diehard anti-Mac Windows people who are sending me a bunch of taunting, excoriating emails about how, why do you hate money? Why would you spend so much money when you can get a Microsoft computer for $200? It'll do the same thing. So I'm just saying these are these are very divisive issues in an already fractious time, ladies and gentlemen, which is why I typically don't talk about that stuff. But what are you going to do? That being said, it's fantastic. So, I mean... You know, and I haven't used, 
I haven't used a Mac on a regular basis since 1991. And that was like one of the original Macs that was sort of available, uh, you know, for consumers. And that was in uh, uh, the office of a radio station where I used to work. And I would sneak in late at night to update my resume because I was always sure I was going to be fired because I always was about to be fired. So I would sneak into the office late at night and I would use a Mac because, you know, especially at that point, in, like in a pre-Windows 95 era, uh, you know, the Mac was really, if you wanted to use a computer and you didn't want to have to pull out like a nine-inch manual to know how to do it, I mean, the Mac was the way to go. So mm-hmm. in any event. But, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. That's what I like about it. But I don't. I still don't have like, micro, I guess I can't have Microsoft. I don't have any kind of Word program on there. You know, you can get iWork, Sarah, which is the uh, which is the equivalent. It is the. You can also get Microsoft Office for the Mac, but you know anything that is originally made for Microsoft computers is just not going to run as well in a Mac. Just like mm-hmm. anything made for a Mac ported to Windows is going to run as well. But you can get iWork, which is the same thing. Okay. So. By the way, and Lara, who already, uh, I was going to say bitches, Lara, who already weighs in quite strongly the amount of hours I spend working, wasn't happy to see me buying a computer program that was simply called iWork. So that did not go over swimmingly at home, but, you know, what are you going to do? That's kind of funny. All right, so uh, I will reveal this very briefly, and then we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. So got my new MacBook, uh, and then, uh, you know, spent the holidays like a nerd. Uh, you know, because even, you know, even Macs, which are... Not customizable to the same extent, obviously, that, that a Windows machine. Uh, I just sat there just tinkering relentlessly over the holidays, just adjusting every single preference and option and setting and, you know, whatever. Uh, and then last night, I was sitting there on the sofa, having answered my email for the night, having updated, you know, my blog and got everything done. Then I logged on to Ticketmaster.com. And, yes, I bought Britney tickets Spears? to see Britney Spears. Yeah. Yes, Bam. April 29th, Saturday, MGM Grand Vegas, Britney Spears, me, the legendary meeting. Oh, you are so lucky. They're available now, Sarah. How much did you pay? Uh, Do we not talk about that? Well, we can talk. Look, I already <laughs> admitted to blowing $1,300 on a, on a, you know, a, a, on a computer that is, I mean, like, smaller than this legal pad. So, I mean, well, we'll talk about it here in a few. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hills. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Hey, how about that? Britney Spears, huh? April 29th, the MGM Grand. Is Dave Zinn going too? Dave Zinn is going. Dave Zinn, let me just tell you this. Um, the uh, Dave Zinn, Britney Spears tickets went on sale, I think, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And Dave Zinn came, he didn't have internet access at his house uh, at that time for some reason. I think he was switching over from DSL to cable or whatever. He didn't have internet access. So he actually got up Saturday morning at 6 a.m. and came to work to use the CBS Internet Connection to buy Britney Spears tickets the day they went on sale. Because he wouldn't buy, like, the top-of-the-line tickets or anything, which are unbelievably expensive. Let me ask you this. How much do you suppose the average – how much do you suppose the most expensive Britney Spears ticket is? And I'm not talking about scalping. I'm talking about face price. What do you suppose the highest face price is for a Britney Spears ticket, uh, the MGM Grand for April? Me? Yes. Oh, um, I, I don't know. What, uh, uh, $200? $300? Oh, you, wow, I don't know what you... That's like 1500 color is the sky where you live. It was sort of the middle. It was $695. What? And that is for what they're calling the... Wait, hold on. For $695, you get what they call the Britney Spears Toxic VIP Experience, which doesn't really sound like something you want. The Toxic VIP Experience sounds like a Hollywood party where they don't clean the fish properly, and then you're carted off to the ER later. But what do you get for that? I mean, do you hang out with her? What do I you really, get? I want a rub down for $695. What? If I'm paying $695, I want Britney Spears to uh, give me a pedicure. That's what I want. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I it, I didn't really have, uh, because as soon as I can, like, click to buy the Britney Spears tickets, it you know, when you buy uh, tickets online, it throws up that, like, your tickets will be held for two minutes, after which they will be tossed back in the <laughs> pool, which... 
you know, there's always more tickets. I mean, very rarely is the thing ever going to be sold out. But when they put up that timer, you know, you have two minutes to buy your tickets or else they will be lost to you forever. It's like when you're watching the knife show infomercial and the guy says, we only got uh, 35 of these knives left. You got to buy, no, 34, 33, 33 left. Go, and then you find yourself reaching for the phone to buy some crap from an online huckster, crap you don't even care about. But it's because the number of available crap items is diminishing by the moment, so suddenly you feel you have to purchase it. So that was my thing with the Britney Spears tickets. I mean, I was just so afraid that I was going to you know, lose the irreplaceable opportunity to see Britney Spears. I didn't want to dally for even a moment, so I, you know, so I didn't stop to investigate what exactly I get for my $695 a ticket. But I will have to look into that today. So. What is, what is the uh, most you've ever spent for a uh, concert ticket, Lisa Desjardins? Man, I thought it was so steep at the time. Was uh, the Bruce Springsteen uh, tour last time around with the E Street Band seventy five bucks, and it was like whew, I could not believe I spent that much money on. Last time around, like a year and a half ago. No, no, before I'm sorry, before did he did he tour with the band last time? Well, I mean, he's toured within the last couple of years. I mean, it, it's been no more than I would say but, five know, years. That's for when he has the E Street guys with him. And so, or that's what I told myself when I was paying. I'm kind of surprised that you were able to get a ticket to see Springsteen and the E Street Band for $75. I mean, that was that yeah, was like the Rising, the Rising tour. So that would have been 2002. Yeah. So that really, I mean, I guess I guess he's got that whole like you know singing for the people, you know, working man. But that rock was, I mean, that thing. was really like I was in Columbia, South Carolina, and no one had ever heard of a concert price that high before. It was all like, wow. $75? What are they, printed on gold? Right, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, my wife and I paid $150 each to see uh, Paul Simon at a place called The Gorge here, which is a beautiful outdoor amphitheater. We paid 150 bucks each to see Paul Simon and Brian Wilson, which is just some of the worst money I've ever spent in my life. Oh. Brian, which is the, and that's the thing that sucks. When you blow like $300 on a pair of concert tickets, and then the concert is just ass. Uh, you know, Brian Wilson was great, but he played for a grand total of about 25 minutes. And then Paul Simon came out, and this is before the, re you know, the reunion with our Garfunkel. And I'm a big Simon and Garfunkel fan, and I'm a big right. fan of some of the early Paul Simon Solo stuff, you know, the sort of your Kodachrome, your yeah, slip yeah. sliding away, your late great Johnny Ace. I, what I don't really care for, uh, you know, and maybe it's because I'm lame, but what I don't really care for with Paul Simon is that business where it's like 75 guys on stage, all of them playing either like a, a, like a triangle or a digideru, <laughs> you know, and it's a whole, and I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to like it and feeling sort of like I'm, I'm perhaps not very interesting or I'm, I'm somehow closed, I'm somehow closed off musically because I'm not getting it. And I'm just sitting there, and it's like you can almost smell, the, you know, you can almost smell the actual ashes from the burning of your money. Oh, no. So, all right. Well, in any event. Um, what were we talking about yesterday when I had to make way for Amanda Moyer? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. It was something to do with Barack Obama. I mean, it's just... Must have been. I don't know. That guy is just stepping into... There's that phrase, uh, getting a pig in a poke, which means you're sort of inheriting a problem that is just big beyond all imagining, and that really is Barack Obama to a T right now. Now, are you, do you guys have lined up to talk to somebody about uh, our favorite um, Illinois governor, Rod Blagojevich? Uh, let's see. The answer is no. Oh, okay, because, you know, in, in 20 minutes, he's actually going to name uh, the Senate replacement for Barack Obama. And that is going to be, oh, it's going to be the comptroller. The former comptroller general, which, by the way, this is an unrelated. I got to interview the acting comptroller general of the United States. By the way, week. being a comptroller doesn't get you women anywhere. There is no woman anywhere except for maybe the only woman who's going to be uh, impressed by you being a comptroller is the woman who works in accounts receivable. Yeah, that's, that's it. probably true. But I was so ex like, I almost... It was almost at the level of a sit-down, like having a one-on-one -on -one with Barack Obama, because it was, 
I, I was so ex- I was so geeked out and excited. I couldn't. I was. I, I still am pretty psyched that I got to interview the Comptroller General of the U.S. But that's a different subject. Uh, this guy, Roland Burris, for, former Comptroller General of the State of Illinois, not as exciting as being the U.S. Comptroller General. Yeah. Clearly, of course. Um, I, also, former Attorney General of uh, Illinois. He's the first um, African American elected to a, a constitutional office there in Illinois. And you know, I'm looking at the contribution list. Um, yes, indeed, he has been a contributor to uh, Rod Blagojevich uh, for years. I, th- I think maxing out individual contributions, but you know, I don't know. That's not completely uncommon. However, with a governor that is accused of selling a Senate seat, eh, people are going to you know say, "Hey, what sure. can you pick somebody who hadn't contributed to you?" Which obviously, uh, Blagojevich, this is a thing of value. I'm not selling it for nothing. Uh, didn't want to do. So uh, hard to say what's going to happen with this. It looks like the uh, Illinois State Senate may refuse to pass on the nomination. We know that um, U.S. senators are saying that if um, this guy, Roland Burris, does come to the Senate with his papers, they will reject him. <laughs> they will turn him back out on the street and reject him. You know, I have to tell you, does it seem to you like, politically speaking, Illinois in general, and Chicago specifically, it's like some sort of grand theft auto, the political version. Do you know what I mean? It's fantastic. I mean, it just keeps coming. It's incredible. I mean, there's just, there's yeah. nobody. It seems like there's nobody in that place uh, that didn't dirty somehow. It's just degrees. You know, nobody there is clean. It's just and degrees is, of corruption. Barack Obama's pro- I mean, Barack Obama, you know, came up through the Chicago political system. So, you know, it's kind of amazing that he has almost a squeaky clean reputation. Mm. Compared to all people, you know, and I'm not, I mean, we don't know that there's any connection, but it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition that that's where he came from. Uh, uh, let's he see. Did, I mean, he did beat the Clintons. He had to have, you know, some kind of know-how. There's somebody, you know, maybe there's just, beating the Clintons is actually just such an astounding achievement, especially yeah. for guys who are relative political neophyte that you almost wonder if there is just some sort of, like, if it's sort of like an, oh, God, you devil, where, uh, you know, George Burns is somewhere watching over Barack Obama to protect him. <laughs> You do wonder. Well, I mean, he does have David Axelrod, who is, you know, kind of a Chicago political guru as his, you know, top campaign advisor. By the way, I got to give points to a guy like David Axelrod for becoming a power broker and a player, despite having a name that is only one degree removed from Poindexter. Oh, that's true. That's true. And he also, you know, he's also kind of got this look that kind of, I don't know if it says power broker with kind of the mustache and he's kind of his hair. I'm not sure what's going on with his hair. That's all I'm saying. That just sort of frittered out to no real conclusion. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I started up the hill, and then I stopped. That's all right. I feel like there's other stuff I want to get caught up on from yesterday, but frankly, I'm drawing a blank. I should just be honest, by the way, that I had uh, less than three hours of sleep last night. Oh, man. So if I sound a little kooky today, uh, I had almost no sleep at all. So oh. it's uh, just kind of a whole kind of a whole thing with our dog and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, so it's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, not bad in any sense. It's just sort of unpleasant. But um, Hey, so, other thing going on, of course, um, Israel and Gaza... Uh, now Israel may be talking about a, a possible short-term ceasefire to let humanitarian goods in, but it, you know some people, an Israeli, the Israeli ambassador to the U.S. says they have been letting. Well, that's just in. another uh, that's just another door prize if you're Barack Obama, right? That's like Barack Obama that's is sort good. of getting. Hey, here's what you should do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got a great idea. This is going to make the whole previous, uh, you know, everything before this in the call when I was less than less than amusing. It's all going to be made up for right here. You know what you ought to do, Lisa Desjardins? Okay. Because, you know, Jim Roop has the showbiz beat usually because he's out there in Los Angeles. So what you ought to do, though, is you ought to take a little page from Jim Roop's, uh, you know, sort of reporting notebook or whatever, the analogy like that. You ought to 
do a sort of sidebar piece, and I always say that like I know what it means, and I really don't, but to me that means something that's not strictly speaking hard news. You right. ought to do a sort of, uh, like, you know, when you, like when they say the Oscars or the Emmys or something, and they'll say, well, let's see what's in the gift bags for this year's presenters and nominees. Well, uh, you know, for presenters, they're going to be getting, uh, you know, a handbag from Dolce & Gabbana. They'll also be getting uh, Louis Vuitton sunglasses, and it looks like they're going to be getting half an ounce of Paris Hilton's uh, new fragrance, and uh, the total value of this gift bag is actually um, $35,000, and uh, yes, uh, you do get one of these just for being a presenter. Um, back to you, uh, Miles O'Brien, and, you know, whatever. You ought to do that, but it's like the gift bag that Barack Obama is getting yes. for becoming president, but it's all bad, you know? It's all, like, it's all like bombings in the Middle East and corruption in Chicago, and also, hey, uh, your economy's totally broken. Tanking, totally tanking economy. So you should do all of the issues that Barack Obama is going to be inheriting that he has to solve. But and he you... still doesn't have enough votes to get anything through the Senate. That, see, but that could be then, that could be another item. It's oh, and he also right. does not have a filibuster-proof majority, so he also wins possible impotence in a political right, sense. exactly. So you ought to do this, a description of everything he's getting, as though it were a Hollywood gift bag. And here's why you ought to do that, despite the fact that on its face it seems like a stupid and trivial idea. Because that Lisa Desjardins is how you can make it understandable and interesting to the average, uh, like, uh, knuckle-dragger. I like it. I'm telling you, I know, you know, look, I know what people listen to and I know what they don't. I like uh, it. The average moron like me, I would listen to that. I like it. All right. I can tell when I'm being placated. That's okay. Don't no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I guess I'm a little sleepy, too. No offense. No offense. I like it. I like it. I've got, I've got the sore throat. I'm nervous. Uh, yeah, but yes, I think that's an awesome idea, and there's nothing I can say now to uh, dig myself out of this hole. Well, this call ended poorly, didn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. All right. are, you, are, me. That was are you on tomorrow for a chance to redeem yourself? No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, see, now this is going to be your last communication of the year. Oh, my goodness. Way well, to go out on a high note, Lisa. I always think that how things begin is more important than how they end to some extent. I am always pay a lot of attention to how What does that mean? Begin. Um, well, I think that, you know, right now I don't have a lot of control, honestly, over how I'm going to end this phone call. But I feel like when I come back on Thursday and begin the new year, anything could happen. Yeah, we're not, we're not here Thursday or Friday, by the way. Oh, oh. Yeah, there you go. Whatever you do, don't stew about it all weekend long. That would be I got terrible. got nothing. Jeez, right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry to let everybody down. Well... Have a happy new year, Lisa. Hey, happy, happy new year, everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. We'll talk okay. to you Monday. Bye now. There you go. That's excellent. Well, see, there it's not just me. I thought it was just me that sounded a little wacky. But here's the thing. So I, I came in today, and I'm a little mental today because, again, I only slept for three hours. Uh, you, I'm going to put that on hold. Richie, can you check the warm line, please? Thank you. Uh, I'm a little wacky because no sleep. You had, I guess, kind of a stressful evening, so you're a little wacky. Lisa, it turns out, is, I don't know, just manages just coming apart at the seams inside her head today for some reason. So, I mean, you know, God only knows what the rest of the day is going to hold for. we got to three hours and ten minutes of glory to come. So, uh, still on the horizon today, we'll talk to uh, Cena Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Jamie Cooley will join us for the uh, new news hour. We'll do the top five. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Don Taylor from Film.com. Joy of Christmas. Just all ladies all the time today. Totally. Uh, more derisive comments about my newly acquired uh, MacBook, undoubtedly, and so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill... CNN Radio Correspondent Bob Castantini. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. How are you? Uh, I'm uh, Dandy, Bob. How are you? Oh, I had a wonderful uh, holiday. How about yourself? Uh, you sound as though you're still filled with the vim and vigor of the holiday spirit, Bob. Spirit of Christmas, yes. 
Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, it sounds like your, your spirit of Christmas kind of left out in the sun and got bleached a little bit. A little fair. Uh, yes, possibly. But your so... spirit of Christmas sounds not... Your spirit of Christmas today, Bob, no offense, sounds a little bit like my Christmas tree looks, uh, where it's, you know... It's not dead, but it's starting to droop a little bit, wilting around the edges. Maybe not as full of luster as it was just a few short days ago. I got all the family I needed. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> wait, did you go to the? Did you go to them, or did they come to you? Uh, it was uh, a bit of each. Oh, see, so you get not only the stress of people coming and messing up your house, but then like you got to actually go travel, uh, you know, to be around people who induce a wholly separate kind of stress. That's for sure. All right. Well, that's fantastic. That's for sure. All right. Um, uh, so, I mean, we were just talking with Lisa Desjardins about this sort of, like, this sort of perverse gift bag of crises that Barack Obama has won by being elected president. And, you know, like, he didn't have enough to fix already. So now there's just, like, you know, I don't know, round of upheaval and chaos number 574 uh, in, in the Mideast right now. Is it, is that, am I, did I misread this or mishear this? Did Israel actually make some statement to the effect of, this is, quote, all-out war, what's going on right now? Well, yes. Yesterday, the uh, defense minister, Ehud Barak, who is a former prime minister of Israel, uh, called it an all-out war. Um, that phrase has been used uh, quite a bit. Um, it remains to be seen, uh, really, Rick, whether or not the tanks and um, forces of Israel that are on the border with Gaza will move into Gaza um, there is now word that I was just hearing uh, on the, a few moments ago um, that uh, there's talk of a, a ceasefire, at least for 48 hours, that would uh, preclude any entrance by Israel into Gaza. And I can tell you, uh, it seems as though the administration officials, Bush administration officials, uh, don't believe that Israel really wants to uh, make that kind of incursion. Um, that, uh, you know, uh, the sort of thing that it made in southern Lebanon uh, a couple of years ago, which uh, turned, uh, uh, you know, into a long-standing conflict. Well, I, and I don't say this with any sense of this is not coming from a place of ideological bias. It just seems to be uh, the case that the Bush administration, I don't say they did nothing, but, I mean, the Bush administration did have a, seems to be a very hands-off policy with the Mideast for the bulk of, you know, the last eight years. It, it doesn't seem like there was, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of rubber meeting the road over there. Well, in the first uh, term of the president, you'll recall, he absolutely refused to meet with Yasser Arafat because he believed that Yasser Arafat was a terrorist. And uh, right from the day, right from day one, when he walked into the White House, uh, even before 9-11, it uh, was clear that President Bush was not going to engage the Palestinians as long as they were led by Yasser Arafat anywhere near the way that President Clinton had done before him. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the long-term peace deal, as you may remember, came very close to coming to fruition at the end of uh, President Clinton's term. But uh, Mr. Arafat decided he, he wasn't quite ready to shake hands on the deal. And that was under um, the relatively uh, uh, dovish prime ministership it, of Ehud Barak. So, I mean, do you figure on the one hand, A, does from, to whatever extent we can kind of speak from, you know th their perspective. Do do we feel like um, the various warring factions in the Mideast uh, are going to give Barack Obama kind of a honeymoon or grace period where he doesn't immediately have to step in and start like figuring things out? And B, do you suppose it's going to make a, a, any any real difference? You know, in, in the short term that we got a new guy in there. Well, the honeymoon's over already. Then, <laughs> yeah. uh, really, Rick, is a way of looking at it because there could be 
Um, if, um, if a ceasefire isn't worked out relatively soon, there could be this conflict, the hot conflict, going on the moment that Barack Obama sets foot into the Oval Office for good. Um, it just, it's, you know, there are, there's a lot of speculation that he may be more willing to deal with uh, uh, what the president, what the current president has not been willing to deal with, and in particular that might be Hamas or Hezbollah, and have some indirect contacts with Hamas, um, whom the administration, the, the Bush administration, considers to be responsible you know, for this their current conflict. It really doesn't seem like uh, there, there's a feeling he might do something. He might open up a little bit to them. It doesn't seem like really working hard and struggling to become the president of the United States at this point is a little bit like trying to be top bidder on a Yugo filled with gasoline and dynamite. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like such a such a just such a fool's errand. All right, are you on tomorrow, sir? Um, I uh, well, Lisa will be around tomorrow, I think. But I'll I, I'm. I'm working late today. This is the. This, I was on the early shift this morning. But that I'm was covering. probably a no. <laughs> probably a no, but I. I certainly don't want to disappoint your. I'm trying to figure uh, out whether I should. Out there. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out whether we should wish you a happy New Year today or wait until tomorrow, Bob. You can take the chance. Uh, it would be perfectly over. fine for me to wish everyone there a happy New Year as well. All right. Best to you, and we will uh, speak to you in the New Year, my friend. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care. There you go. Bob Costantini, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody gone mental today? It's not just me, right? No, it's everybody. I mean, I told you, in fact, even before we went on the air today, I said, by the way, I'm not in a bad mood, but I am feeling a little frayed around the edges because I got no sleep. Work at the same time, and we never do that. That's the thing. And I was filming Outlook Portland this morning, which is, you know, which is fine. But, uh, you know, but the thing is, you know, I'm not complaining about it. But I mean, it, you know, but Outlook Portland, you know, like we're in downtown Portland, right? That's where the radio show comes from. Outlook Portland films in Beaverton, and you know, I got to be there. Like, I don't even know where Beaverton is. It's really <laughs> that was like a Tim Riley kind of statement there. That no, was a whole like, lot of like I've never. I know it's like there. It was like that time that Tim said. What did Tim some, some some insane thing about like he'd never seen something? I've, I've never, never nicked himself shaving. Totally, I've never seen the moon. I mean, it was just some statement that made no sense. Beaver, did, well, yes, it is sort of that way. But I mean, it's you know, in the morning, it's a good like twenty, twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes sometimes to get out there. And a lot of people got to get up earlier than me and whatever. That's fine. But you know, get up, go out there, do the show, come back here, prep, whatever. So I was already running kind of behind, and then I was doing the whole thing on like no sleep at all. So I'm feeling ever so slightly wacky today. All right. Uh, Richie, should I be answering whatever these calls are before we break? Richie, hello, hi. That's great. Thanks so much. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Totally unscreened caller. How can I help ye? Hey, I had a question. Uh, for, uh, well, for both of you, really, but um, I have friends coming in from uh, all the way from Illinois. Yes, sir. And uh, you know they they want to have a good New Year's Eve in, in Portland. So I thought either you would know or, you know, Sarah might know, like, of a good spot. It's so, nice of you to sort of do the token asking of me, even though you know that Sarah's the one with you. That's what we should do it as a high concept, what people are doing for New Year's Eve. Hey, there you go. Maybe yeah, tomorrow? Yeah, frankly, I don't really know a lot that's going on. So where are they, uh, what kind of people are these, sir? Well, um, they're they're kind of in, into a dancing and stuff. I, right. Like, me and my friends aren't. But they're not, like, older relatives. They're not, they're not like, straight-laced kind of folks you have to be yeah, careful around. Early 30s, yeah. Are um, they are they straight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Dancing is where I get off the train here. I got nothing. Yeah, I know the Fez. The Fez usually does something. The only place I know is that like place downtown with the big octopus. 
And that's because they're always in the news because the man always wants to shut them down. That's the only reason. Oh, yeah, that's where I bought not illegal earrings from a girl in the bathroom. <laughs> and every time I walk by there, there's just some guy coming out that looks like he just, uh, you know, looks like he was just, uh, you know, like oh, every time I walk by, you know, on like a weekend, that place with the uh, the squid downtown, what is, there? is that the cuisine? Greek? The Greek cuisine, yeah. Every time I went, there's like some guy, it's like all of the buttons have fallen off his shirt and he just had his chest waxed. Because he's always sort of, you know, kind of gleaming with a lot of like gold jewelry, but then the shirt completely and open. Ever, you should stay far away from that. And you know that he just smells like lilacs and, you know, and, and whatever, and like Axe body spray from about 40 feet away. So... That being said, I don't really know. Sarah, dancing, anything? Well, dancing, I know that the good dance place. Well, there are lots of gay clubs, of course, but then, like, uh, the Fez, I know, is a, pl- a place where the kids enjoy going dancing. And you could do but that. listen, well, yeah, should we do the high concept today or tomorrow? Uh, probably tomorrow, because it's New Year's. Tomorrow's okay, yes. Um, well, how about um, a place kind of like East Burn, but not East Burn? Like, a, just like a, a place where you can actually, like, hear, you know, like, like actually sit down and, like, talk to your friends. Okay, so you kind of, like, want a bar? Do you want smoking or non? Uh... It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm so totally out of my head. I'm going to put on Carmex while you answer this question. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. All right, well, um, yeah, I'll Here's think about it. Here, pick all the time you need. All that tomorrow. Uh-huh. All right, yeah, well. Carmex is stinking up the whole studio. All right, all right. All right. Uh, well, sorry. Be listening tomorrow, sir. We'll try to, uh, all right. we'll try to be more interesting and informative tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, all right, bro. thank you. All right, there you go. Well, that was a wasted call. No, 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 No fault of the caller, of course. That was a whole lot of... myself. Wow. Uh, take a break. We'll come back after this. Jamie Cooley is going to be joining us in the studio. We'll have the new news hour coming up later on. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy will do the top five. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Dawn Taylor from Film.com. Joy of Christmas and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program on Tuesday. She told me she'd love me and I told her that I'd do the same. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. So news coming up uh, later on, Cena Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy uh, will join us. We also got the uh, top five coming up today. Uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, Don Taylor from Film.com, Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas, Geek Watch, Penis Watch, and uh, all of that coming up. Let's see here. We've got... um, uh, this one says, uh, well, there's just nothing about, there's, there's nothing but Mac and PC, uh, you know, emails out. This one says, uh, but Rick, about concert prices, uh, the best interview I ever heard was Tom Petty. When asked why he didn't jack up his ticket prices like everybody else of his caliber, Tom Petty replied with, because I'm rich. That guy is a badass. Indeed he is. How about this one? Um, Rick, is it just me, is it just me or are you being unduly harsh about everything today? Just checking, sent from my iPhone. You might be a little crazy. I don't mean to be unduly harsh. Do I no, sound no, I'm like a little I'm crazy, a... too. No, but you... Do I sound like a jerk? You did just snap at me in the hallway. I didn't just snap at you, and I did just snap at you in the hallway. I'm sorry. I don't deserve to live. You don't, especially since I deal with your inanity all the time. I'm having a crazy day, too. You know, I'm in a... I didn't mean to snap. I was just trying to be efficient, baby. I, I didn't mean to hit you. That's just pillow talk, baby. <laughs> um, the, I was, oh, it's okay. I was just trying to help the show operate in a more streamlined fashion. Uh, so, uh, I'm just saying, I know that, um, 
I know that you're a little scattered feeling today, and I'm just saying that is some, that's something of a constant state of existence for me. I like to think I know a little bit op- about operating inside a like a storm of half thoughts whirling around inside your head like some sort That's of true. snow globe. No, I think we, we're familiar with each other. It's crazy. It's totally true. Rick, uh, this one says, not only are there uh, tickets for Britney Spears that go for $700, but you glossed over the fact at the end of your tirade that you actually paid it. Okay, no, no, no. To my own defense, I didn't pay that, though. How much did you pay? Okay, well, here's the thing. So how much money did you spend yesterday? Uh, well, not that much. I mean, the Between bulk the of MacBook it. The MacBook and the. No, no, no. See, the MacBook wasn't yesterday. That was last week. There's a difference. Um, it, the so uh, the MacBook was last. Uh, I think it was actually Tuesday. I think it was. The, I think it was the, the first day we had off last week. I went down and I got the MacBook because I wanted to get it done. Uh, you know, kind of before the holidays because I didn't know what the trip to Provo was going to be like. And I thought, in a worst case scenario, if things just go totally south with my mother-in-law, which is always like a risk. Um. You know, that I was like, well, I can busy myself with my brand new appliance. So I bought the MacBook. Last night, though, I had put in my day planner. I had totally forgotten about it. I would put down in my day. And this is why I have to write everything down, because if it's not written down, I'll get it done. So I'd written down in my day planner, buy Britney Spears tickets. And and I, I do believe, because I'm retarded, I put a little smiley face next to it. Why? Because I recognize the inanity of going online to buy. I recognize the inanity of going to Vegas to see Britney Spears in the first. Let's have no illusions about that. I mean, I, re- I recognize that there are people in this world who are living in houses uh, that are made out of weeds. So, so the fact that I'm actually going to be... And the fact that I was sitting there on my sofa using like a billion-dollar computer technology to order Britney Spears tickets on the Internet is not lost on me either. I'm fully aware of all these things. So I know that it's kind of dumb, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's like... You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a pop culture event. I mean, how can you... How can you not? And let's be honest... I figure that Britney's only got one or two ways to go. I think with with Britney Spears, we are at a sort of, um, I think we're at kind of a Britney Spears touring performance crossroads. She's either going to die really soon. I'm just trying to lay out the options. Either Britney's going to die. How do you justify spending seven hundred dollars? I didn't spend seven hundred dollars for the love of God. I, uh, but my my theory is that Britney's either going to die in the immediate future, at which point I will kick myself for not having gone. And I'll be one of those people that are like, well, I had tickets to Nirvana's last show, and then I just uh, decided to stay home and watch Dental Floss training films on television. And then you just feel like a tool. Or Britney is going to almost instantly morph into that Madonna, that Midler thing where the tickets are all going to be $500. So I, in fact, only spent $95 a ticket. What does that look? Why don't you share with everybody the expression on your face, little Miss Snarks a lot? Uh, no, no, nothing. So is it seated? I'm saying nothing. We have an honest relationship here, Sarah. You can tell me. No, I just I'm 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 impressed at how that you spent that much money. Look, the $55 tickets were gone. $95 a ticket was the cheapest I could find. And at least I didn't pay that goddamn $695 toxic VIP experience price. Toxic VIP experience is the most unfortunate. I don't even know what it means. I mean, I really have no. I mean, that's $1,400 for a pair of tickets. Do you get to meet her? I am, I really don't know. I mean, at some point we should go online and try to see what it what it entails. So, What's it called? The toxic VIP experience at the MGM Grand. So I mean, although presumably they're offering it everywhere. So that'll be so April 29th. I'll be in the I'll be in Vegas watching Britney Spears. So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Don't think less of me. Um and so forth. I had to fight really hard not to put a Britney Spears song on my top five yesterday. Incidentally, I came like this close. To putting a song off circus on How there. could you not put Womanizer on there? Because that's just, you know, you know with the top five, it's not what you put on. It's always having to justify what you don't put on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, you know, I can make the case for any of the songs that were on my best of 2008, but it's having to defend it, you know, having to defend a, a you know, like an omission. 
So that's the thing that people always get up in your business about. Final observation, uh, then we will welcome Jamie Cooley to the program. I was at the Walgreens last night buying uh, something or other, like a toothpaste or something. And you know what they sell at Walgreens, Sarah, that I almost bought you? The pet egg? The sham wow. I almost bought a sham wow. I almost bought it for you. Uh, people, like, you're the third person who said they almost bought me one. Just somebody buy me a sham wow. But then, now you don't. Know, stop being almost. Given your, un- given your decidedly unpleasant tone today, I'm almost, I'm glad that I didn't. I'm just kidding. I take it back. You know it's not a good day for me. I know. I know. I'm just saying. Never kick me while I'm down. I'm just saying today is uh, today is not the best day for you and I to be having uh, th- th- trying to have any sort of no no neuroses today. Any sort of neuroses or personal interaction of any kind of any sort of like even uh, the quasi sort of revealing or intimate variety because it's just going to go bad. It's, it will go very uh, Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, late of 94.7 KNRK, uh, Jamie Cooley. Hello. How are you today? Hello. By the way, you look fantastic. I dig your scarf. You do. You oh, look pretty. thanks. Now, I had a a bad do, morning. Do you have a challenging morning? Yes. We Fight should with all... the father. I'm sorry? Fight with my father. That's always a good way to yeah. start the day. Money. Parental uh, face-offs are always a fantastic addition to any already bad morning. Exactly. I, uh, good times. not to make it all about me, but here, I'll make you feel better. I will tell you exactly. I'll tell you why I'm a little loopy today and then we'll start the news hour. But, um, so we have, you know, we have the one dog and we just got a second dog. We have this puppy called Philo and, um, he's about six months old and Did he chew through something electric. No, no, but he's already done that. Did I tell you he chewed through the cable to my ant farm? Yeah. So I have this, I have this Brookstone. <laughs> I am a 35-year-old man with an ant farm. Everybody can just eat that if they don't like it. So I have That's this bizarre. I have this. Thanks so much. I uh, thanks for being welcoming and embracing of all my personality traits, Jamie. I can't. Um, but I have this Brookstone ant farm that you plug into the wall and it lights up and it's sort of like a glow-in-the-dark kind of a thing. And it has this electrical cable. And it was sort of one of those things where it's like a it's like a learn by doing kind of thing because I didn't really realize that he quite liked chewing on electrical cables until I came in one day and I'm sitting there typing at my desk and it's like facing my facing my computer at my home office and I'm typing away and I sort of get this like weird flickering in the peripheral vision and I'm like that's not, what's that you know and I don't think to look and I think maybe it's just a reflection or something sparkling or whatever mm-hmm. and then then it's like and then finally there's like a and it's like how it's not like a light going on somewhere and it catching your attention. It was I suddenly noticed that a light had suddenly gone out. And I thought, what's that? And I look over, my ant farm has gone dark. And I thought, well, that, and of course the ants are all looking up like the great uh, sort of uh, insect god is about to come down and the rapture has begun. And I'm looking down and I'm like, well, what the hell is that about? And I'm like, well, I'll check the cord. Maybe I kicked it out. So I, I get underneath my desk and there's the dog just like going after that cord like it was made out of bacon. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, the old, and he chewed on it enough to sort of, to, you know, to short it out, like to separate the wires inside. But I think he was probably only two or three bites away from actually, like, getting inside the cord. And then it would, you know, like one dead dog. So I kind of pulled him off. And, and then you feel then you feel silly because the dog is doing something legitimately dangerous. But what? Do you, but you only have the one response. No, bad dog. You know, which is like it's a one size fits. Like, that's what I do when he runs away with a slipper. So anyway. Um, so flash forward to last night. So flash forward to last night. So. I get to bed, you know, kind of late anyway. I was trying to get to bed and be asleep by 1 o'clock. Definitely. So I get to bed at like, I don't know, midnight, 12.30, something like that. And I'm just laying in bed. All right. Uh, big day tomorrow. I'm going to Beaverton show and stuff. Got to be whatever. And then I just, I apologize because there's no, there's no delicate way to put this. Oh, God. <laughs> then I just, uh, then I just uh, realize that there's suddenly this off-putting odor in the room, in the bedroom, and, uh, and not the kind just normally associated with me. 
And I, you know, and it's that thing where you're like half asleep and you sort of try to convince yourself it's that it's an dream. imagination. Seriously, like, no, 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 Emerson, just keep it together. It's, it's just a dream. Just go. You're having that dream about the rendering plan again. No, 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 just go back. Just don't pay attention. You know, but meanwhile, the rest of your brain is going, that's no dream. And so finally, I just wake up. And I'm like, what in the hell? And I will skip over some of the more horrifying um, aspects of the story. I'll simply say that... Thank you. It is the lunch hour. The dog had... uh, The new dog, Philo, had what we will charitably call digestive system issues. And uh, not just in one place, in several locations. Uh, And when I get out of bed, I don't have any socks or slippers on. So put all that together in your head. And also, it's like 1 in the morning or whatever, and it's dark, and my wife is trying to sleep because she has to get up at like 4.30. And, you know, and then it's like that thing of like tired and grumpy and concerned and disgusted because you could be going, oh, it's on my leg, oh, God, and you're trying to whatever. And then by the time I finally... Do you want to feel bad for the dogs? You're like, you can't help it. That's the thing, and it's like you want to sort of embrace the fact that like the dog's, you know, the dog is obviously sick to his stomach or perhaps another part of his body, and he's not trying to be difficult, but he is being difficult, so you're trying not to whatever. And so I finally get everything sort of tidied up and cleaned up, and I'm, like, coming in with the Lysol, and my wife is waking up going, like, what's the problem? I'm like, baby, go back to sleep. You don't want to know. You don't want to see what I've seen. <laughs> the bedroom all cleaned up, and then I, you know, I kind of spray the deodorizer or whatever, and then I got to put the dog in the crate because, obviously, he's got some sort of issue, and I can't have him just, like, defiling the entire, like, bedroom or the carpet or the whatever. So I got to put Philo in the crate, and then it's like he starts to whine because he's in the crate. So then I have the bad dog owner guilt of, like, you know, I'm laying in bed trying to get back to sleep, and then I hear the sad floating down the hallway. That, you know, and I'm just like, you know, but, but you realize you have to leave him in the crate for the night. Like, you can't just, you know, like, I can't leech him up to the door, and I can't have him just ruining the carpet everywhere. Seriously. <laughs> you know, and then it's like an Acme novelty squirting dog, you know? Um, so... And then I was—I you know, wasn't able to get to sleep until I don't know—I think probably like three o'clock or so because I was just so like you know all amped up or whatever. And then, and then the alarm goes off at six a.m. and that's the thing where you just want to weep openly, just yeah, like a small like child, and you're just sort of looking at the alarm clock and you're going, "Oh, for the love of Christ! Oh, I wish I had a handgun." All right. Well, maybe, um, maybe I don't. Uh, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Uh, need to get up. Maybe I can just. No, I have to get up. No, I have to have a fruitful life. So anyway, so now here I am, and I'm all my brain is all kind of ragged around the edges. So. I'm so there with you. So definitely, it, definitely. So Sarah had a stressful night. I had a stressful night slash morning. You had a fight with your father. So it's really yeah. it's going to be the best news oh, hour we've ever had. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a little about money and what I'm not doing with my career. Now, if you don't mind me asking, <laughs> now was this was this a fight? And I'm suspecting it was. Was this a fight that uh, that you, that he instigated? Yes. Probably you probably didn't go looking for one. That was probably you're just trying to like eat some Pringles or something, and suddenly there's dad going. What are you so, doing with your life? We need to yeah. talk, honey. He's like, get on the radio. It's not going to happen. He's like, go work at Costco. And I'm like, what? Did he actually say to go work at Costco? Yes. And that's like the... Costco? Sur- mm-hmm. I mean, does your dad himself work at Costco? I have family that, oh, that does. Um, my cousin and my aunt. And so this is now... Did it's the a family thing. <laughs> the family <laughs> industry. That's kind of cool. I like how some people make, you know, some people have like a cheese making empire or perhaps a, uh, perhaps a, some sort of a pottery store. Exactly. Your family works at Costco. Yes. That's okay. You know, my family uh, all worked at like an auto parts store. I won't say which one, but it's a prominent auto parts chain. And in my hometown of Kennewick, Washington, uh, I was constantly being told, you know, your brother's got that great job at the auto parts store. You could probably be a stockroom boy. He can pull some strings for you. 
and you're like trying to, you know, like break it to your parents. Like that's that's not going to happen. I, look, I just exactly. you leave me alone, and I just now. So do you have to now? Do you see your dad a lot? Um, probably about twice a month. Really? Yeah. And so now, does this is has this always? been something that he's kind of nagged you about or like with the uh, with the recent unpleasantness uh, on the employment front is it just like amped up since then like did it happen before that yes. was he always down on radio always see and so that's that's <laughs> so my thing. family still too and that is the thing that I mean obviously getting fired from any job sucks getting fired in the entertainment industry sucks like way more in some way because you know because it's it's just such a because it's, it's it's just so difficult to kind of figure out what the next step is sometimes. Yeah. But it's like so much worse when you have family member, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, who has always been down on the career to begin with, which fortunately my wife is not. But, I mean, we've all been with somebody who was just, you know, who didn't really want us to be in radio, didn't want us to pursue whatever we wanted to pursue. And then whenever you get fired, laid off, something happens, then it's like justification for this yeah. sort of skepticism that they've had along. I told you not to be in radio. <laughs> now, I told you, now, you know what, you could, you know, they need guys to be cutting cordwood, uh, you know, in uh, Woodburn. You could be doing that right now. And so you're just sitting there going, will you please just be quiet and leave me alone? I've had a difficult week. Yeah. So. He's a tugboat captain, and um, I don't know. He thinks he's great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the radio is a real job. They, yeah. No, that's that's the other thing too. Is it really isn't? We just have to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but I mean, radio certainly comes with its own set of challenges and disadvantages mm. and whatever. I mean, there's a lot of great things about radio, but it's counterbalanced by a lot of things about radio that are kind of that are kind of difficult and you know and, and weird and hard to deal with sometimes. So. Uh, it just makes it exponentially worse if there's somebody constantly piling on about how you've chosen poorly in your life. Now go do something normal. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. How about this? And then I swear to God we'll start the news out yes. because it's like 1220. Oh, my God. We're going to have to break in like 10 minutes. Um, but um, you also get this. You'll get the – and it's often um, – like in-laws or like with, you know, with like previous, you know, women that I dated, it would be like, like they're sort of like we would get to some kind of serious stage and their parents would weigh in. And it was just a countdown until the dad would say something like, so that Rick, um, so I mean, is, uh, you know, is he going to, you know, is he going to get like a, a, you know, a regular job at some point? The, the sort of like implication being that, you know, working in radio, I mean, it's not a regular job, I'll grant you that, but it is like an actual job. It is a job. And so that's... It's definitely a job. I mean, it's just different. Yeah. And that's why I'm having a hard time. What am I going to do next? And I feel above every other position. Is it because you just, the idea of like uh, being, you know, the, uh, and would you care for an additional uh, horsey sauce packet <laughs> with that? That's great. Okay, pull through. Great. No, no, no. You got to wave your card in front of the magnetic strip, sir. No, I, sir, no, it's, oh, kill me, you know. No, it's totally scary. I mean, I graduated college seven years ago, and, like, I don't remember anything I learned. All I've been doing is talking for seven years, and I'm like, but how am I going to put that on a resume? Oh, and I have, and, you know, we had this conversation with, uh, you know, with with Tim Riley on, you know, because Tim, Mm -hmm. you know, when when his uh, position was eliminated, we had, you know, we had a big farewell show and a goodbye show, which is sort of unheard of, but he was, you know, he got a chance to do that. We talked, you know, sort of our trademark, uh, you know, sort of the gallows humor here, but we were talking about the unemployment office. And just, I mean, you know, my best friend. Oh no, seriously. (laughs) I mean, let me just tell you this, and you do. I mean, you are never so glad to check the mail because it's like, what is it? Comes on Tuesdays, or I think it used to come on Tuesdays when I was on unemployment. I think Tuesday at midnight. Oh, like you get my direct deposit. I like you think. (laughs) I think it comes at this incredibly specific time that I will now recite from memory, Rick. Now, did you have to do the thing of going to the unemployment office and then you fill out like your like your skill set where you describe all of the skills you have? No, I did not. Really? They yeah. didn't make you do that? You no. just do a lot of it online now. 
Yep. Yeah, I have yep. to ask. So, what was the, so when you were and for people who don't know, and obviously you know you're, you know, I mean, sort of a you know sort of a radio Portland, uh, you know, Portland radio icon and, and so forth. So you Hardly. were well, what you were at KNRK <laughs> no. for a long time. You like, yeah, I was there. Um... Since I was 17, I'm 30. And so you were there for, I mean, that was, you know, nearly a decade and a half of being there. Yeah. And I mean, it's so, it's one of those things where like a lot of us, it's like, uh, I, I'll tell you right now, I have no other skills of any <laughs> I kind. I don't either. <laughs> Me neither. I, have, I seriously don't. I have no demonstrable abilities at anything. I'm not good at anything else. I've tried uh, sort of during, you know, like my, you know, the periods of unemployment where I get fired. I've tried to sort of do other stuff that always ends really badly. Can I tell you this? I got fired, let's see, when I got fired in the mid-90s, I was working at a talk station in Salt Lake, and it went to, ra- flipped to Radio Disney without any warning. Oh. And, I mean, essentially, I kind of woke up, and the, the station was also my, the station was also my clock radio. Like, my clock radio was, you know, set to my alarm clock would go off, and it was the radio station. And so it's like, I don't know, whatever it is, like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, something like that, the alarm goes off, and, you know, and instead of hearing, you know, like the talk station, or whatever the morning show was, I hear that like, you're listening to Radio Disney. And you kind of do that the WTF look where you kind of do the Bugs Bunny, like, I, I, of like looking over trying to figure out what the hell. Did I change the station in the yeah. middle of the night? And I mean, in this, am I being punked? And clearly, and they had just decided at Salt Lake City, because there's so many kids, there was a great market for the Radio Disney uh, format. But they just sort of, as they so charmingly do in radio, they just sort of failed to tell any of us. <laughs> and I kind of looked down, I kind of go, ah. Oh, God, oh, hell no. And so then I have to go to the unemployment office. And, you know, the woman is, you know, she's like, okay, and this is before the Internet. So you, you had to go there. Like, you, there was no choice. And you had to go and just sit in a room with a, and you just feel like such a loser. Yeah. Exactly. And there was a guy there. I mean, I told this story, I think, a few weeks ago when the thing with Tim was happening. But there was a guy there, no lie, like Lebowski style, in his bathrobe. Like, I am sitting there with a guy in his freaking bathrobe. And you're sitting there going, where am I? Like, what level of Dante's Inferno have I come to that I am sitting next to a bearded guy in a bathrobe uh, who stinks like last week's cheese, you know? And it, and you realize, like, that, that's the group of people you've been lumped into. And she shows us this video, which is about, like, how to call up and register for your unemployment benefits, which basically entails, like, I mean, it's like you got to call a number, and then you got to press a nine a bunch of times. Yep. It's like, have you... One and nine. See? There you go. <laughs> That's, I have the number. And I have a 3220405. So, there you go. Fellow CBS radio employees, one never knows when that magical day might arrive. What's that number, Jamie Cooley? 503-224-0405. There you go. And they walk you through a whole series of questions when you're filing. I'm kind of zen with the fact, by the way, that we'll start the, the news whenever yeah. we get to it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's okay. We're mm-hmm. all a little mental today anyway, but... Um, so you have to file, because Sarah, you've never done this. You've never gotten an appointment, because you had the coin job, and we get fired at Intercom. Mm-hmm. And um, and the phrase "fired at Intercom" will come up probably multiple times in the <laughs> remainder of the show. So start. All of us have been fired from Intercom. Start I your, didn't get fired. I got laid off. Oh yeah. Start your I'm drinking. Sensitive. Start your drinking games now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. She is um, laid off. We were fired. <laughs> oh, I was fired. You guys weren't fired. Oh, I was hella fired. Allison fired me. I was me. fired like you wouldn't fired? believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah no they. I thought you guys got laid off. No. Well, what is the well, what is the actual difference? Well, if you get fired, that means that you get no unemployment. Yeah, I was removed from ninety four seven. You were fired. Yeah. They um. Well, here we've told this story before, so it's not like we're telling tales out of school or anything. Uh, for those who don't know, we'll kind of go back and get a little history lesson here. So, Sarah and I, and and Tim, but in this, in you know, for the purposes of this story, Sarah and I had worked together next door at Fisher Broadcasting. We've been at KOTK, mm-hmm. and we were doing the show together. And then Intercom bought KOTK and yeah. KWJJ. So we went over and we had the whole. 
you know, the meeting where they where it's like uh, it was the GM and a consultant, and they sit down and they interview us one by one in a room, and they go, so um, tell me about this uh, Tim. O'Reilly, what does he do on the program? Oh, Oh, they're like, and they're quizzing me, and they were quizzing me about you. They're like this Sarah, Sarah Dillon, Dylan. What is who? What is what is what does she do? Who does she? Is she an intern? What does she do? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to explain what everybody does, trying to keep the magic, you know, of the show sort of like obvious to them. And and they said the faithful words to me. They say, well, you know, um, look, we're uh, we're big believers in the Emerson brand. And at that point, I just knew I was hosed. Like, I knew I was effed. It was just not even a question of if. It was a matter of a question of when. And so time goes on, and they uh, there was a kind of a shake-up at KNRK because, I, I guess, because I think Marconi had been doing mornings or something. And um, Yeah. Marconi. Oh, that was the unpleasantness. But there was a whole unpleasantness with Marconi. And I so they through so many well, that's the thing is, they were like, I mean, really, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to not trying to sort of diminish the fact that, that, like, you know, that, like, you lost the gig, but I mean, you made it to, like, wave after wave of just, I did, of just, of you, just firings and unpleasantness and awkwardness and terrible public relations disasters and all that. But they made this change and they went to this alternative morning show with uh, this guy, Greg, who's still there, and they approached Sarah about it. And so Sarah, at one point, it was a great opportunity for her. So at one point, Sarah was doing mornings on KNRK. And then she would get off the air and literally walk down the hall, and we would do our show together. Yeah, because I was off the air. I remember that. Yeah, I'd be off the air at 8.45, and then our show would start at 9. Yeah, I mean, so there was just, and I mean, it was really stressful for everybody, and Sarah was just feeling worked to death. And as much as we joke about radio not being a real job, I mean, it's tough. So it kind of a grind and two totally different types of shows and two totally different audiences and whatever. So we're doing that for a while, and then Sarah kind of just comes to the conclusion uh, I think if I could speak for you, that it was just not that the 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 was it was just not not for her. It was not working out. Mm-hmm. It was not the right fit for her. It wasn't the right fit for the show, for the station. It was just sort of not not right for any any you know anybody. And then that's when Coin approached me about um yeah about being the morning traffic reporter on on their morning show. That was a cool gig. Yeah, that was it was fun. I'm glad I did it, but I do not miss waking up at three thirty in the morning and you know having Ooh. mean middle aged women like write to me about how ugly my clothes are. And so Sarah. <laughs> Sarah went to Entercom and she's like, look, here's the deal. Um, you know, I want to continue doing the Rick Emerson show. Uh, you know, and also there's this coin business. Like, but, you know, the K&RK job is just not, it's not a good fit. And we all kind of know it's not a good fit. It's not working. And you probably would be better served by moving somebody else into the slot that I'm in. And, you know, she's very gracious about it. So like, you know, if you need me to stay, however long it takes to find somebody else. But it's, it's probably best if you find somebody else to be on the show with Greg in the morning. And so, the, I mean... Which you know, all things considered, a pretty gracious offer. But so not only not only did they not let her stay over through any sort of transitional period, they were actually so pissed off about it that they fired her immediately from KNRK and from my show. They fired her from my show as well. Yeah, and that was a week before. But then they had all been telling me how I should stay on. They're like, oh no, you should still. You know, work for 94.7, work for the show, when they all knew that our format was going to be flipped in four days. Yeah, they knew that they were so going to fire trying, me anyway in the show. So they were trying to convince me to stay at a job that they knew I was going to be fired from. But they, you know, of course, we didn't know any of that. We didn't know the format change was coming. All I knew is that because Sarah wanted to leave KNRK, they were having this sort of punitive action of firing her from my show as well. So I kind of went and I had these long sort of meetings, you know, with, and I wasn't the program director. I was just the, mm-hmm. just the guy with the mic. But I went and I had these long meetings with the GM where I was like, come on, booby. Be, be be a mensch. Help me out. You, you, you know, help help support the Rick Emerson brand that you're such a big believer in. Yeah. And that that clearly didn't happen. And so they so they fired Sarah. And so we limped along and did this you know show without Sarah that just sucked and was awful. Only uh, for four days. Only for four days. And then they fired. <laughs> and then they fired all of us. 
I mean, that's the effed up thing about it, right? They, that's, she, the, that's the thing that's hurt the most for me, though, is that they, they tried to convince me to stay. And they tried to convince her to stay at a job they knew was going to be gone regardless because they were going to be firing all of us. So... I, so I had to go through this whole demeaning, like, tap dance in front of the general manager of, like, please, I'll wash your car. Keep Sarah. Let her stay. What do you, what do you need? Uh, back rub? I'll give you a back rub. You know, so I had to go through and just grovel, like, hat in hand. I'm not trying yeah. to make myself sound like whatever, like I'm the best guy. I mean, it was also for the show. Like, I wanted the show to continue. So I'm in there groveling to try to, you know, keep Sarah on the show. No, thanks for coming in and demeaning and humiliating yourself, Rick. And she's still fired. Get out. And then they fired all of us four days later. And if I'd known that was going to happen, I would have just been like, you know, I would have been like the king of the get bent uh, patrol. I would have just said, like, look, you can you can eat a full bag, pal. Yeah. So anyway, it's it, it's I I mean, my thing was that I knew layoffs were coming. I just did not think I was going to be one of them. Well, you, oh, you never think it's going to be one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is, I mean, I've never, and not just, you know, not just talking about Intercom or CBS or whatever, I, you know, even for a, such an unstable and sort of tumultuous industry as radio, I don't think I've ever really felt it like this. I don't think I've ever sort of been in a period in radio where it just, it just felt or feels just so untethered, you know, in yeah. a big way. I mean, it really does. And well, of course, when I started. I was 17, and I thought that was the heyday, but everyone was saying that, no, no, it used to be so much better. It used to be right. so much cooler. We used to do blow off the board. And <laughs> Can I say that? Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Assuming you're talking about cocaine. Yeah. Oh, talk about cocaine all you want. I don't care. And uh, they used to smoke in the studio and all that stuff, and now it's like, it's so, I don't know, hard up. Well, when you work in radio, too, there is always... There's always that guy, and it's often an engineer, but there's always that guy <laughs> who was around, you know, back before the suits got a hold of this whole operation. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, to some degree, maybe that's true. My you know, funnest time in radio was when we were at KOTK and when we had been abandoned in that building. There was this great... <laughs> There was this great period of time. Like six months or something. Like it that. was after Intercom bought us, but before they moved us over to the Intercom building, and okay. they moved KWJJ right away. And then we were sort of like the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, we were they, just uh, there in this building by ourselves. People were like drinking all the time. Literally, there, like, we were. The, the, I remember at one point in the parking there was a guy bowling in the hallway at one point because we were left alone in that building next door for like six months before they moved us to the Intercom building. That's so awesome. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, but you, you know, you talk to those people who were there. You know, they've sort of been in radio for you know twenty, twenty five, thirty years, and they totally are from that like. They're totally from that Jim Ladd KMET kind of era where it's like, and then I remember one time, uh, you know, Grand Funk Railroad was in town, and we were all out back shooting heroin into our eyeballs together while this hot little cookie from the promo department was giving us all hot oil rubdowns. It was a great time. Too bad you missed out on that, kid. Here's a stack of liner cards. Go play some, uh, go play some Limp Bizkit, you know, or whatever. So, they you know. seriously, like, used to have backstage passes in the studio. Backstage passes, mm-hmm. like in the studio for like bands when they'd come through town. Really, that yeah. they would just—I mean—and I remember uh, seeing a recording studio one time, and it was not a radio studio, but I remember going to a recording studio one time, and there was—you uh, know—it it, it turns out it was just—it was just like this small. It wasn't a mirror, but it was just a small flat pane of glass that was actually built into the countertop of the board, just so they could sit there and do blow, like while be, oh, like yeah. between overdubs. You know, hey, you're ready to do that uh, harmony track? Yeah, hold on. And they would just be able to do it right off the board in the studio. And I think there was a time in radio when it was that way as well. So, oh, it definitely you know. was. But you yeah. were, so you were at KNRK, though, for like 17 years, which means you yeah. got to see the whole, I mean, how much did you see, like just in terms of that station, how much did you see it change? Um, 
And I mean, what did it? What was it when you first started? It was awful. Was it just? Was it the hard rock? Like the end? Was it when they were just NRK? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was NRK, and um, I hated a girl that I worked with. <laughs> so that was really hard. And so this would have been like ninety ninety one. Uh, this was. 1996. 1996. 1990. Okay, what am I thinking of? Okay, 1996. <laughs> so you started there, and then, and you know, what was your first, like, when did you start at KNRK? What were you doing? Was like, you were like a... I was a morning show intern for Mike and Stephanie. Mike and Stephanie. That's a page Mike from Chase Portland Radio yesterday. Stephanie Steele. Yeah. Wow. Stephanie Steele. Yeah. Stephanie. The only thing that made that better is it was Stephanie Saint, uh, Saint Steele. That's the only way that could be a, a <laughs> better radio be name. Um, and so you were a morning show intern, and then yeah. where was the next, like, how did you, what was your, what was your ladder up? I actually um, got hired a month before I graduated high school to be on the air mm-hmm. weekends. And you were doing really? like weekend overnights or something? Yes. And I mean, it, it just it, it. And so you were there for like you know 17 years. Then you ended up you were uh, you know the last you know the position you had there. You were doing music and you were the nights person. Yeah, assistant program director. And that's, you know, and so that's probably, I mean, I think, you know, it's like in every industry. We sort of talk a lot about radio and we talk a lot about, you know, this business with Tim, but it is sort of everywhere mm-hmm. where you get the sense that they're kind of looking at the page and they're not even really seeing names. No. They're just kind of looking at a number. Like you get the sense the guy has almost covered up the names on the spreadsheet with, it, with, with you know, he's just covered it up with a, with a legal pad and he's that's going, totally it. well, that number looks a little too high. <laughs> Red line, you know. <laughs> Yeah. How about the person? Well, that poor bastard makes too much. <laughs> Gone. And, you know, and so that's how we find ourselves here with, with you in the studio. Exactly. So, so just to wrap up this whole conversation, then we'll take a break and we'll come back. So Sarah doesn't know this because she has sort of daisy-chained one job to another for, for her adult life. But when you sign up for unemployment, you go down there and you have to do two things. You have to fill out a list, at least I did, a list of skills you have. And they use the skills to then try to find other jobs for you. And it sounds like in this economy, they may have just abandoned that part. They might realize there are, in fact, no other jobs for any of us. So, but they would try to, like, find jobs to send me out on. And the only job they ever actually sent me to, the unemployment office actually sent me to a temp agency. And I went to a temp, which is just, and I don't mean the knock temp agencies or people who go there, but I mean, it's just... As you said, I mean, it's like, you know, it just feels like it's such a different world. I feel like I'm above it. And see, and that wasn't, I'm I mean, not. <laughs> even that was, and maybe I had some of that, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think I didn't, but I probably did, because, you know, you're like, hey, I'm on the radio, look at me. And then, you know, then it's like, yeah, sit down, friend, you're 15th, you know, to apply for the secretary's job. Be quiet. I got turned down for an I internship. Got, that's my thing. <laughs> so they rejected me. I went to a temp agency. And they said, no, who gets rejected by a temp agency? The answer is me, Rick Emerson. I don't mean when I was like 16. I mean like just a few years ago. Yeah. It's like when I got, you know, I, when I was a kid, I used to have a rejection letter from McDonald's, you know, and I would hang it on my bedroom wall to try to give me a sense of perspective on things. <laughs> but so you have to sign up with all your skills and then you have to call in once a week and let the employment, the unemployment agency yes. know whether you have been looking for work or not. And <laughs> did you work? You did not work. <laughs> so that, If these answers are correct, plus what, one for yes or nine for no? It is nine for no, and here's how I know that. Because when I went for my orientation at the unemployment office... That's a good name for a band, by the way. What? Nine for no. They were, because, nine for no. I and like I think that. it's the same in every state. And you go to your unemployment orientation, and you sit there in the conference room, and some, like corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking, just a moment, woman comes in, and she plays this video that is like, so you're unemployed, you know? <laughs> Multnomah County is here to help. Unemployment benefits are not just for losers, Rick Emerson, Jamie Cooley. 
therefore anyone who finds themselves between periods of employment. This is a safety net. And they're trying to make you feel like so happy about it. And they're walking you through this procedure that once a week you call the phone number and they say, you know, please enter your social security number or whatever. And Mm -hmm. your pin and something. They go, press one for yes, nine for no. Did you find work? And then like you press no because you haven't clearly because you're calling to get did your you check. Work? Did you, you work? not work? <laughs> did you, you were, uh what's the other one? Were you turned down for a job? There was did you apply for Vacation work? Vacation pay. Yeah, so they run you through this whole gamut basically to make sure that you're not gaming the system, which of course you are because you you know, because if you're me, you weren't Away looking from your for residence work. Yeah. For more than 3 Were days you out of town? It's basically a whole battery of questions trying to figure out, why are you still unemployed? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Have you no self-esteem? One for yes, nine for no. Well, my thing is is that I make more on unemployment than a lot of people do working full-time. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of milking it. So the motivation is not really there to seek, un- it's to really seek employment. Not. It's really not. And so you can tell, this is my final anecdote that will break. You can tell, by the way who they sort of gear unemployment benefits for a lot of the time, though, and it's for the guy in the bathrobe in the three days growth sitting next to me in the office because as they are showing the orientation film to get your unemployment benefits, as the woman's getting to the, when you call each week, you will be asked a series of questions. You will press one for yes, and then they show the one, like, morphing into the word yes, and then back to a one, and then then for the nine, or nine for no, and the nine turns into the letter, you know, to the word no, and then turns back again. And that's when you sort of realize, like, I'm in this room with people who don't even know how to use chairs. So, uh, we'll take a break. We're here with Jamie Cooley, late of 94.7 KNRK. Uh, It's... Unbelievably, 1242, and we've done nothing. It's the best show ever. We'll be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Jamie Cooley was just here. Now she's gone. I do not know where she went. Well, all right, then. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, just a moment. We will actually endeavor to get to... Uh... The news hour at 1250. <laughs> well, look, let me tell you. I'm not trying to make up for... I'm not trying to give myself excuses. But in our own defense, today is our Thursday, because we're going to do a show tomorrow, and then we're gone Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Also... This is only the second day uh, that we've been back after being gone for a week. So, and I had three hours or less of sleep last night. Plus, Sarah's crazy, and I think Jamie's a little bit crazy. But I'm not yeah, entirely I sure. Am. <laughs> um, can I reveal what you just sent me in the email, Jamie? Yes, you may. So, Jamie Cooley, uh, late of uh, KNRK, is here, one of uh, several laid off Portland media professionals, filling Hello. in for the laid off uh, Tim Riley. <laughs> so, I don't know what snagajob.com is, Jamie. Please to explain. I have no idea. I don't know how I got signed up for it. But, I'm uh, guessing it rhymes with your father. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> probably. Uh, you know, what my daughter needs is one of them snag-a-job sites. So snag-a-job. Snag-a-job. Oh. But did they just send you? What is this that they've sent you that snagajob.com has sent you to? Uh, apply now for a job with Taco Bell. Now, <laughs> I think Taco Bell is one of our fine sponsors. Of course, so that. she should be more than a Taco Bell's awesome. But I'm saying perhaps your skill set 
Taco Bell's requirements may be not speak quite. on like a little speaker thing. I guess. There you go. <laughs> you should talk. See, there you go. See that? See now at some point, now you have an exciting new radio bit. And, look, and it's a, like. I went to snagajob.com and there's a very happy baker. Wow. <laughs> he does look happy. That's a woman. Snagajob. Oh. Snagajob.com. Snagajob.com apparently is a place where great people work in a great company where there's fun in the workplace. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Taco Bell. Um. <laughs> Well, I guess it's true for them as well. I've never Get heard of Snagajob. Get started free and easy. As the number one source for hourly and part-time jobs, we connect job seekers with more than 100,000 active jobs. Hey, did you see that they also wanted you to look into a job of being a school teacher, Jamie Cooley? No. <laughs> Are you I saying, no, not. you didn't see it, or no, you're rejecting it out of hand? <laughs> well, I usually delete them because I'm just... Like, there you go. That's exactly what you want the unemployment <laughs> office to hear, by the way. Well, I mean, did you look for work? Sure, delete. Apply to work at Flying J. What is Flying J? Oh, it's a truck stop. I can't work at a truck stop. <laughs> it's a truck stop in Troutdale. <laughs> oh, the glamour. The gas one? You don't, are you, yeah. you don't okay. look in the mirror and see yourself as a flying J Troutdale gas them up employee? No, but props to everyone that does work at Flying J. You know, J. people need That's gas, cool. Jamie Cooley. There's they do need gas. nothing wrong with being someone who distributes gas. It's just, um, it's cold outside, and I don't like to pump gas. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, I would, uh, I would, I would say that perhaps then working at a truck stop uh, in December is maybe not for you. So. Yeah, here's another snag a job. Uh, let's see here, Flying J, Taco Bell, and a great one I had was for Marriott, but I actually got turned down from Marriott. Really? Applied. You, you applied now? What job did you apply for at the at Marriott? I think it was like front desk. When was this? Um, probably about three months ago. That was okay. Now, if I could just say, that was actually one of the most humiliating things about, I don't know, it was a few years ago. It was in Portland, I think. I think it was in 2000, 2001. I got fired from that, I did this terrible, like, syndicated show I did. And it was awful. And they, so they, they rightly fired me from it because I sucked. But <laughs> I was, but I was trying to get a job at this temp agency. And that was the worst part is like the temp job I applied for. It literally was just like answering phones. Yeah. And they're like, uh, we don't know that you necessarily have, you know, the required skills for this. And it's like I just got fired from a job. I mean, granted, I didn't do it very well, but where I was, I was talking on the phone, you know, with listeners for four hours a day. Yeah. And then I went and some like jackass was like, I don't know that you have the skills necessary to answer a phone, Mr. Emerson. Please leave. You know. And so that's just all right. Yeah. Trust it's me. it's it's rough, and you know. Did they turn you down in person or via email, Marriott? Uh, email. Really? Here's Not even Jamie, a phone call. Noah's is hiring for all positions. Noah's? Yeah. Well, see, so I'm well, saying... super early in the morning. But see, I'm saying yeah. that's, a, that's another thing where you got to get up early, which doesn't really work well for... That doesn't work well for for people in the entertainment industry. You seem like a nighttime kind of gal. Um, I don't sleep well. You uh, <laughs> seem to have everything going for you right now. Fight with seriously. your dad, turned down by Marriott, not sleeping well. And um, If you were three or four shades crazier, you'd fit in with Sarah and I. <laughs> well, I'm going to go work at Taco Bell, so. All right, excellent. So I have an appointment with my therapist tomorrow. I'm very much looking forward my to it. My therapist told me not to come back because I was wasting my money. <laughs> Are you uh, serious? I am serious. I wish I was making it up. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir. Madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? Well, we're all crazy. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Hi, sir. Hi, Jamie. Hi. Hey, you guys got it pretty much right on the uh, the questions. I think one of the first questions they ask you is if you were physical and uh, physically and able to work. To right. To work yeah. No, it's like yeah, they want to make sure you didn't get a, like a limb caught in a threshing machine. Yeah. Or something. And then the last one is if you're going to receive a holiday pay or any kind of pay, push nine for you. Uh, no, or one for you. But uh, how they pay you nowadays? It comes on Wednesdays. And uh, what they do is they, 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 yeah, they, <laughs> they, they see if you qualify first. And then once you qualify, they send you a check in the mail 
for the for the time that they were you know trying to find right. if you qualify. Then they give you a credit card, and it's all done by credit card. Wait, you get you get a credit card now, you get, Jamie? Yeah, do you have an unemployment they send you a U.S. No, bank credit not. card, and it's called Relia Card, and it's not a, it's affiliated with U.S. Bank, but it's not a U.S. Bank account. Is the so Relia card? Bank, but is that, I mean, is that like so? The Relia card is an unemployment credit card, or like a debit card, probably. Right, it looks like. just like a U.S. Bank card. So it doesn't uh, say like jobless on the front of it in big letters. Pardon me, can I? You pay were for... once great, now you're nothing. Can I pay for this with? Can I pay for this with my fail card? Great, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, is this coming rent to own? Jamie, don't, Jamie, don't go to Taco Bell. I managed Taco Bell for eight years, and it's just like all the Mexican people that work there. You just get in the way. Okay. That's the caller's <laughs> assessment, by the way. That's not our assessment on the Rick Emerson. We're an inclusive Yeah, don't people. go to Taco Bell. All right. Well, all right. right. I don't so think this is really clamoring to go. curtain down on that call. Well, that, that turned an unpleasant corner pretty quickly. <laughs> Anywho, well, I, so at least it's not like, you know, that, what is it, like the Oregon Trail card? Is that the food stamp card? Yeah, that is, yeah. You know, and again, you know, whatever. I mean, hard times for people, and you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, my, uh, you know, my family was, you know, my family was on food stamps. We, my family went to the government cheese oh, warehouse. Okay. Um, you know, and so I understand that, but it's, but it is, it is that thing where like, you know, you want to like, can I pay for this with food stamps? What, sir? <laughs> I know. I, uh, you know, the signs everywhere, like, can I buy cigarettes or candy with your horse totally. and card? Uh, th- no, sir, I was wondering if I could, um, if I could pay for this with food stamps. I can't hear you. you food stamps? I don't know. Hey, John, Rick Emerson is here and he wants to know if you can buy this with food stamps. How do you feel about that? No, yeah. No, he used to have a radio show. No, they fired him. No, he's here. No, he looks really beaten down about the whole thing. I'd say he'll never work again. No? No. No, Rick, you can't buy it with food stamps. Please get out. Uh, all right, shall we uh, endeavor to do some actual news here? It might be time to break again. Wow, we're batting a thousand here. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm having a great time. Are you noting the irony, actually, that, uh, you know, in your between job state, you actually came here to do the job of reading news, and you're not actually doing that. So you can say nine for everything. You've okay. actually done no news reading. Well, we have today. Ed McCarthy at 1.15, so why don't we take our break now, reset, we can do some stories, then go to Ed, then do more All right. stories. Take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, Jamie Cooley will help us out with some news on the other side. Then we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Still to come, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ, uh, Don Taylor from Film.com, and Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Hit the post. Ah. That's fine. Chain smoke. I got no life. You're welcome. Welcome to come along. Okay, thank you. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. (laughs) By the way, Jamie Cooley is holding a syringe in her hand right now. It's exactly what you think. It's not what you think. It is what you think. It's for practice. So is this the... (laughs) You have to practice that now? I do. I thought after a while it becomes old hat. There's no needle in it. I think we're talking about two different things. Okay. Uh, So we should say that Jamie's dog is diabetic. Is that true? What kind of dog is it? Pug. All right, so you're... Oh, that's... I mean, look, I know you're not happy. I'm not saying happy he's diabetic, but... A diabetic pug is kind of cute. I mean, look, if it had to be a kind of, if it had to be a diabetic dog, I think, oh, hello. I think it, I think an ailment of any kind is cuter if it happens to a pug. You know what I mean? Because they all kind of look like Nibbler on Futurama. You know, it's just sort of like, it's like I had a hedgehog that I was, you know, and I've quit buying them because they just, because they just, you know, because then I just get, because then they die and then you just get all morose about it. But my first, uh, the first hedgehog I owned. Who was unimaginatively enough named Hedgie. Um, actually, uh, we had to put him to sleep, put her to sleep, because she got something. I swear to God, this is the actual name of the disease. This is not like the colloquialism for it. 
Actually, he was dying of something called wobbly hedgehog syndrome. So it's like even the disease oh, is cute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you're trying to be, you're trying to appreciate the gravity of it when the vet's going, yes, it's very bad, Mr. Emerson. I'm afraid that she's got wobbly hedgehog syndrome. And then you're trying sort of not to snicker as you're thinking, well, that's it. We have to put her down. So, in any event. Okay, look at, here's Jamie's dog. Aww. That's pretty adorable. All right. <laughs> Toby. Uh, we've got Ed McCarthy coming up from CNN Radio here in a few. Later on, we'll do uh, the top five. Uh, Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Don Taylor from Film.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's roll the news. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, Jamie Cooley. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. Are you ready to read the news as only you can? Um... Not really. Fantastic. <laughs> I just did That Was This Is on 94.7, so actually reading news is... No, you did like the local news or, or music reports and stuff. You weren't, you weren't like a liner jock. I mean, you were, I mean, you I were, was, you did... A little bit, yeah. Oh, don't, don't diminish oneself, Jamie Cooley. That's no way to a positive self-image. Oh, well, you know, Taco Bell's hiring, so that's a good thing. Is that going to be the suffix to all of your conversations <laughs> for the rest of the week? Well, it's fine, Dad. Taco Bell hiring. <laughs> jerk. <laughs> All right, so um, Sarah Palin's daughter gave birth to a son, and, uh, you know, she's like 18, and it's a boy. And this is, wait, this is, okay, so this is Bristol. This is Bristol, Bristol Palin. This Levi is the Johnston guy? Uh, the, uh, yeah, it seems like so long ago. Levi Johnson. It does, and it just seems like a thing I cared about, and now I have to dig it out of my brain so I can, uh, so I can talk about it again. So when was this, yesterday? It was, um, let's see here, it was like uh, Sunday, I think. All right. Do they say? Do they give Are they still the married? Uh, or do they get married? I don't think they ever got married. No, they're engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. It yeah. seems like a. It seems like that's a thing you either, like if it's sort of like a she's with child thing, that's a thing you either do right away or you just sort of don't do it at all. So I feel like eventually that's gonna, that will probably fade into a non-relationship at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna be they're whatever. Not gonna stay together. No. What? Because really, what's the point? Like the mom, you know, Sarah Palin didn't win, so there's like no. And, and plus, his mom. Uh, Levi Johnson or whatever his name. Didn't his mm-hmm. mom just get busted for having like for, she got a drug bust she was or something? A drug dealer or something? Yeah, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure she's innocent of all the charges, she but I. Like, oh, she's just trash, though. You can I just think it was tell. Math. Oh man, you can smell the hick on her like nobody's <laughs> business. I mean, look, we all know it's true. And look, I come from a tiny town. I can say that you can just smell the hillbilly all over her. So, um, anyway, so did they give the kid the obligatory weird Palin name? Yes, it is. It's Trip Easton. Mitchell Johnson. Mitchell. Uh, Trip. So there Trip is. Easton. So there's, there's Track. Trig. Isn't there Track? Isn't there Trig and Track? I think Trig is the special child. I think he's the most special of children. <laughs> you know, the. the, the special the, baby. You know, the, yes. Uh, so there's. He's Trig. Isn't there a Track Palin? Or am I just wasn't making that, that older up? Bro- the, that wasn't the one that went to Iraq. There really he's is the one a track? who went to Iraq. No, no, no. I think Track Palin was the one who went to Iraq. And then Trig is the one who is touched by God in the most private of ways. Uh, and then it sounds like God molested him. I didn't say that. You said that. And then Trip is the is Bristol's kid. Trip is Bristol's child. Yeah. All right. And let's Trip all Easton. Let's all acknowledge, by the way, that after today, none of us are going to have to care about this ever again. I am so there with you. We were just sort of waiting for the conclusion of this story, I believe. Exactly. All right. There you go. Okay. So um, this smart guy from New Bedford. Where is that? New Bedford is in New Hampshire. Okay. You're just making that up. Um, he used a blowtorch to melt ice on his back porch and ended up setting his house on fire. This is the, uh, this is, uh, wait, is this the story we had of this, didn't we have last week a guy who set fire to something? That was the no, mobile no. home. Yeah, that was the guy who was The guy homeless. who set fire to the mobile home. So he has ice on his porch and he's trying to melt it using what? 
a blowtorch. That seems... It looks like here, yeah. Well, it probably did melt the ice. I mean, on the plus side of things, <laughs> that's one of the wind column. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah he used um, a blowtorch, and basically there was about twenty to $30,000 worth of damage. To his... I mean, and this is New Bedford. Does it actually say, because I'm sort of making up that it's in New Hampshire, does it say actually where it is? It just says New Bedford. I mean, the idea that you would set fire to your mean, home... Like Connecticut. Well, but the idea that I you would... I was going to say New York. I don't think, but I mean, so much, but I mean, even more so, if, you, if you're setting fire to your home and you're ending up with $20,000 worth of damage, that doesn't really speak to the, to, you know, to the essential cost of the structure to begin with. <laughs> it seems like the value of the property to begin with is probably necessarily finite. Yeah, the blowtorch um, ignited the building's frame and vinyl siding. And vinyl siding for yep. the win. That's fantastic. That's uh, so you know he's got to be a smart guy. That's that's exactly how you know you're dealing with the upper crust of society, Jamie. A blowtorch <laughs> and vinyl siding. I mean, who even owns a blowtorch? Um, I think I well friends who own blowtorches. By the way, we should just get this out in the open now because everybody's emailing about it. Uh, Rick, is this the same Jamie Cooley that you kissed in a phone booth? First of all, in your dream, I didn't. We, Jamie and I have never kissed in real life. Do you remember this, Jamie? Yes, I that do. Is, yes. Actually, I was not going to bring it up. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, it is uh, th- that is a thing. Oh no, you, this is the home of you awkwardness. You have a crush on me. <laughs> I okay. A little uh, bit. Come on. I'm biting. Oh. I'm biting my tongue right now, and the thing is, now I almost have to say what I was going to say because if I don't, it'll. It'll sound as though I'm biting my tongue. Say it, we're all friends here. I was, I was going to say uh, that the last time Jamie Cooley, who was sitting to my immediate right, accused me of having a crush on her, uh, you had had many, 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 many beverages of some kind. Yes. And so I was wondering if that was perhaps a thing that you only believed when you were drinking. <laughs> but apparently now, even in your sober state, you believe that I am deeply in love with you. A little bit. Come on. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Rick, I do should... you have a crush on me? This is decidedly oh, awkward. <laughs> wow. I feel like sure I need to come know. up with my own awkward questions to ask and respond. I would say that I feel not unwarmly towards you, Jamie. Okay. I would say that you're a uh, you're a lovely girl with uh, a great. Uh... Right. Sarah, help me out. What? Wow. <laughs> I I feel so unbelievably off balance. I didn't snap at you. I was trying to uh, I was trying to move the show along. Okay. I didn't say anything about your rack. Just like for those who are playing the home game, at no point did Rick Emerson make any comment about Jamie Cooley's bosoms. Is Laura listening today? I don't know. Let's operate under the assumption she is, shall we? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Ed McCarthy joining us now on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Ed. How awkward is it where you are right now? How awkward is it? Yes. Well, it's always awkward. Uh, you, know, you just got to kind of like close yourself in. That's what I'm saying. And so you're off there. Close yourself in from the world. I try to, uh, you know, I try to avoid human contact uh, when at all possible when I'm not here in the studio. <laughs> but now even being in the studio is not sort of sparing me the awkwardness. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's just what I do. You know, newsrooms are, they're all, everybody gets sick, you know, and then they spread it around, and, you know, you're next, you could be. You know, well, see, we don't, we don't just have that. We work in this studio, and this room was built in around 1963, and, of course, because it's a radio station, they don't ever want anybody to come in and clean anything, because there's That's always right. this theory, like, don't touch the board, that you're going to break one of the pieces of equipment, you're going to short something out or whatever. Uh, and so, you know, as a result, you just, I mean, you got dust here that's like from the Johnson administration. 
So fights that are prehistoric. That's what I'm saying. So even if we're healthy when we get to work, by the time we get down here, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, it's like one big phlegm patrol. Down I, know, so, I know. All right. Hey, uh, so we've been talking a lot about, I mean, frankly, over the last couple of weeks about jobs and employment and the economy and whatever. But I know they do this thing that I, this thing that I hear referenced every year. And every year I sort of like furrow up my brow and I kind of go, what does that mean? I should investigate it. And then I kind of forget about it and I go and I have some Cheetos. So let me ask you this. What is the consumer confidence index? Is that just like how willing I am to go out and fork over money for anything? Yeah, just your general feeling about the economy. You know, you know what's going on with it? Uh, you know, are you, you feeling okay or, or not? People are feeling pretty sick right now, according to this latest gauge. Uh, they've been doing this since 1967. Uh, this is a business group called the Conference Board. And just to show you how bad things are, as if we didn't know that already, uh, the confidence numbers dropped from 44.7 in November to 38 in December. So economists, believe it or not, were hopeful that the number would go the other way. It increased to 45 and a half. Well, that didn't happen. It went really far south. And you know, it's all because of all the people that are signing up for unemployment, more you know, than half a million, and very little expectation from people that this bad economy is going to turn around through the winter, the spring, or perhaps even through the summer. By the way, Ed, if you sign up for unemployment right now, you should know that your check arrives electronically Tuesday night at midnight. I mean, just like in case you want to start doing any purchases. That, yes? That's how I get mine, yeah. There you go. So yeah. see, there you go, Ed. So just yeah. to, like FYI. Ed, but this this idea that the, the consumer confidence was somehow going to skyrocket, it's like I saw, and I think it was on CNN television. I think it was, um, uh, God, who's the guy who's in Hawaii right now? Ed Henry. Um, right. He was talking about, I mean, it's just, it, it's one of those things that is sort of, I guess, heartening, but at the same time, it's just so uh, hopelessly naive and a little depressing that 55% of Americans said they felt like the economy was going to be back on track one year from now, which well, is like about a week ago. And I guess on the one hand, you like to see Americans being sort of optimistic about that and feeling a little bit of, uh, as you said, confidence. But this belief that we've got the new president, so everything's going to be turned around 12 months from now, is just, I mean, that's the people who are in for a whole lot of disappointment and, uh, you know, and, uh, and unpleasantness when next December comes around. And it's, you know, certainly not much better, maybe not better at all. No, you know, and according to this one here, that uh, this consumer confidence report, uh, the average consumer feels that this is one of the worst, if not the worst, recession we've ever been in through several decades. So that's, that's right. not good. You know, all the things that we've had to worry about, and it's, you know, not going to be fixed overnight. We know that. You know, the volatility in the financial markets, fourth year of a downturn in the housing market, labor market, that's the biggest thing worrying people, you know, if they lose their job or if they can't find one. Just, uh, you know, tough bag of circumstances right now. And let me just say this, uh, by the way, uh, that, this this idea that uh, that you know these sort of economic experts want to come out and they want to make us feel better, I guess, by explicating the situation and really giving us all of the facts by saying things like, well, you know, and this is actually the worst recession that the United States economy has ever faced in our more than 200 year history as a nation, Ed, and you wonder. What is the point of telling me that? That's like if you've got some horrible kind of cancer and the doctor actually says, you know, this is, in fact, the worst tumor I have ever seen in my yeah. more than 45 years of oncology. And you're thinking, you know, worst, best, I got a big tumor the size of a grapefruit. I could I could go with that knowing the details, friend. It, so, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, you know, the job market, that's the one thing that's given the goosebumps to people. Yeah. People worried about keeping their jobs. So, you know. I don't know. We'll see what happens with this whole deal. Uh, you know, we'd like to think that it could be cured overnight, but, you know, I'm not uh, certainly an alarmist, but 
Uh, you look at it and you think, there's so much we've got to fix here. Uh, you know, as as Andy Grove once said, only the paranoid survive, my friend. So uh, That's right. Uh, on that note, sir, uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. All right. We will probably talk to you then on the off chance we don't have a great new year, and we will talk to you in January, sir. Keep laughing. It's the best medicine. There you go. Thank you. Seeing a radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. When we last at the Rick Emerson Show, Jamie Cooley was doing her very best to make me feel awkward and uncomfortable and by succeeding. interrogating me relentlessly about my allegedly hidden crush for her. Well, you did have a sex dream about me. It wasn't a sex dream. First of all, and I would like to go to Sarah to get a ruling on this, my snapping in the hallway notwithstanding, would you classify, keep in mind this didn't happen like in, this is only in like Rick's crazy dream land. This didn't happen in the real world. The fact that I may or may not, I did, uh, have a dream about kissing Jamie in a phone booth, that doesn't count as a sex dream, does it? Well, it's doing something sexy. I am sexy, but it's not... I think you just got pen on your nose. Sex? What? How did I get pen on my nose? You totally have pen on your nose. How did that... Boy, it's the best day ever for me. <laughs> I'm glad that it happened while Jamie and her great rack are in the room. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now you just got me on that one. That was ah, good. Jesus. I like it. All right. Well, in any event... <laughs> You know, my pen is actually closed. My, I'm not even using it right now. Oh, for the love of God. I think Can I go back there. to bed and start Oh, you do. This? Yeah, you totally have pen on your nose. Can I go back and start this entire day over? Oh, that is totally weird. How did that happen? I don't know. All right. Oh, it looks like your pen's leaking. Oh, for the love of God. All right, that's great. Really, all that needs to happen is I need to trip on my way out of the studio and break something delicate. That's fantastic. All right. All right. All right that's okay. mostly gone. We'll call it gone for now. So, all right. Well, in any event... So, to answer all of the previous questions, okay. yes, I had a dream about kissing Jamie in a phone booth. Maybe that counts as some kind of a sex dream. No, I do not believe I have any kind of a crush on Jamie, although it's not because you're, I mean, you are certainly aesthetically pleasing and, uh, you know, and funny and talented and so forth. Uh, and uh, you, have a, you, know, you have a nice rack. All right. <laughs> Moving on, here's Jamie Now, I'm Cooley. blushing. Oh. Uh, joy of Christmas? Yes. Yes. Let's do something that is about somebody other than me. Here's your Joy of Christmas for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. So a man in Orange County was um, arrested after flashing gang signs on Santa's lap. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so we, uh, what is the, uh, what is the actual story? Where did it, what is it, what does it say? Uh, he basically was arrested early last week for um, flashing gang signs, and uh, he was not supposed to have any activity or hang out at the Village Mall when the photo was taken December 16th. Who's so told that... to stay away from a mall? <laughs> I mean, what kind of a crime do you have to admit? I mean, is that you're stealing khakis or something, and you're, I mean, they tell you to stay away from the Galleria? Uriel so... Olivia. Is there a, uh, please tell me there's a photograph of him actually flashing the gang sign on Santa's lap. No, just a mugshot. Oh, no, no, no. See, that's, you know, that's, that, that's one of those stories where, like, if they don't, that's like one of those teacher-student sex things where they don't ever, they don't put the picture of the teacher. I mean, it's just a fundamentally useless story. They did have the cross-eyed teacher yesterday. I suppose. An alleged gang member has landed himself in jail for flashing gang signs in a photo he took while sitting on Santa's lap. Yep. Real Oliva, uh, age 18. Under a court order not to associate with members of his street gang or hang out at the village mall. This is fantastic. The picture included uh, Oliva and two other members of the Orange County. Cr Listen to the name of this gang. You know, there used to be, when I was a boy, there was a time when street gangs had interesting or creative names. These guys are just called, first of all, you're in Orange County. I mean, I don't really how I don't know how much of like a like a thug one can actually be when you're in the county that houses Anaheim and Disneyland. 
So, I mean, I'm just speculating here that perhaps you're not the most, like, hardcore of, of gangbangers. Listen, listen to this. I think they've officially run out of names in the gangland world. Two other members of the Orange County Criminals. That's the name of the gang right there. Oliver's uh, probation officer the apparently... Orange County Criminals? Yeah, it's not even... I mean, there's not even any subtlety there. That's all very <laughs> on the surface. Uh, Olivia's probation officer apparently spotted the photo on a keychain during a probation check, so he not only had... What kind of hardcore gangbanger takes a photo on Santa's lap to begin That's with what I was thinking. and then has it on a keychain? I think perhaps he's part of a special education gang of some kind or another. Like maybe, you know, you know, like maybe sort of a... Orange County Tards. Yes. Wow. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's the kind of wit that is not at all responsible for my non-existent crush on you. Right there. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Do we have a, an additional joy of Christmas story? Uh, yes, we do. Fantastic. This is in South Salt Lake, and um, police actually saw this on the news. He arrested a homeless man. Um, he was trying to steal a fire truck so he could drive to Washington to see his mother. Well, I mean, it's certainly admirable. I mean, one has to get one has to get to see one's mother somehow. Exactly. But um, the guy's 25 years old, and he said he was just trying to get back to Washington to see his mom for Christmas. Now, at what point in the theft was he apprehended? I mean, was this like as he was trying to hotwire the truck, or was this on the road? Um, he tried to throw uh, the driver out of the seat. Was it was when the truck was moving? So then there was actually somebody yeah. inside of it, so it wasn't even an abandoned fire truck. Yeah, it looks like um, it was the fire truck was at a uh, stoplight. And so the homeless guy just decided to come up, and this was he like came his... came up and tried to throw the guy out. And this was like his steal his fire truck. Terminator 2 moment of, like, throwing the guy out of the fire truck and then it driving off with it to see his mom. And here's the great part. Um, drugs or alcohol were believed to be factors. You know, <laughs> and here's the thing. I mean, you got to... I mean, if you're a mom... I mean, if you're a mom and you're, you're, you know, your kid who's 25 is A, homeless... B, yeah. undoubtedly strung out on something. C, so unbelievably dense or a combination of dense and strung out that he's decided to steal a fire truck. I would say it's a fair bet that the mom probably doesn't want to be found at this point. That's a lot of changing your name, moving somewhere else so your uh, a-hole kid cannot track you down. That would just be my speculation. Yeah, I guess um, he fought with both firefighters and, uh, you know, of course he did. got his ass thrown in jail. Well, really, because I mean, what's the, because what's the point of trying to steal something uh, and being a drunken homeless person if you can't get into like some sort of fisticuffs <laughs> with the cops who come to arrest you? I mean, it's just otherwise it's like a cake without frosting. That's Jamie. how you go down. That's, that's how the Orange County criminals roll, Jamie. <laughs> or uh, Jamie Tards. There's your uh, joy of Christmas for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Well, we have one more day of yes, we do. Uh, let's see here. We have uh, people saying, hey, um, Jamie, I was a longtime listener of 94.7. Uh, do you remember the time uh, that, and I guess it was Mike and what, Stephanie, you said? Yeah. Mike and Stephanie. So Stephanie. do you remember the time that they played Wesley Willis repeatedly uh, because they uh, because the producer wouldn't give the phone back? Yes, I do. See, and this is, like, I great. came here. Well, I, came I here. love I love Wesley Willis. What see what year would this have been that you were that that show was on and that you were there? Um, because I came here in '98. '96. See, so I've missed. So there's a lot of and it's like this. If you work in radio, there's always this, and I'm sure it's this way in every industry. If you work in radio, where you'll move to a city, and there's always this sort of period just for a few years before you got there, mm -hmm. where all of this like legendary stuff happened, and everybody exactly. sort of talks about it, but you were never there. Yeah. Just like in every city you move to, there's always that legendary band that just broke up. Or the legendary club. Or the that club. Just closed. The club. La Luna. La Luna. <laughs> totally. Uh, or the other one you always hear about in Portland, be like, oh, dude, you weren't there when X-ray was open. 
Because I guess X-ray was there was some club called X-ray no, like yeah, back X-ray. when. Seeing, X-ray Cafe. See, um, and that's it. And I guess there's like a little documentary about it or whatever. But that's the every town you move to, there was always the club, the band, the radio show. New shoes. Uh, yeah, totally. No, you don't know what it was like. You weren't here in '87 during the I Can't Wait days. You don't know those were heady times. So and they played the X-ray Cafe. Yeah, and well, and then of course, and then for years later, every time you move to that city, everyone you run into. Either saw the most amazing show there, which often but not always includes a band that is now famous, like before they became famous. Mm-hmm. It's always a lot of like, Rick, and that band I saw with five other people, well, they were called Weezer. You know, and it's always like, that's how, always this is how the story ends, you know, with like Rivers Cuomo sleeping on their couch or something. Um, you know, or... or My they'll... friend used to date him or something like that. Yeah, or <laughs> you will run into people who will tell you that they were in some previous incarnation of that band. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've, I've talked before about how I think I have met three or four different people in Portland in not a long period of time who've told me that they were the lead singer for New Shoes. And I think none of them, I think none of them, it was real. I think all of them were, in fact, who lying to me. That? Well, that's it. But see, that, that's my thing is like... I was the lead singer of New Shoes. Initially... <laughs> You should put it on your resume because I should. because you see, I guess nobody knows because my that'll get you that gig at Taco Bell. Yep. Taco Bell now featuring former new shoe singer Jamie Cooley. Because I had Sarah's thought Please of drive through. My, <laughs> I can't wait to give you our brand new Chalupa Deluxe, sir. Drive through. Um, but I had Sarah's thought first of all, which is who lies about being in new shoes? I mean, it's just like it. It's like lying about being a menudo. It doesn't make any sense. But but no. But then it all came together for me. I realized why you do that. Here is why you lie about being in new shoes. It's because if you lie about something too small, it won't impress anybody or like help you get chicks. If you lie about something too big, it's going to be easily checkable. I mean, it's going to be yeah. so like if you're like, no, 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 I'm in the Foo Fighters. Like that's a thing they can go look up. Yeah. New shoes is just famous enough to be kind of impressive if the mm. girl's a little drunk or stupid. Uh. But it's not so impressive that they're going to be like, OMG, I well, have to go Wikipedia this. What do you think the people were trying to, to do when they were lying to you? Can I make you my boyfriend? But that's, <laughs> but, that's the, but that's the thing. Like, I never bothered to look it up, right? Because I thought, well, okay, good for you. Like, I'm going to waste time Wikipediaing new shoes. I mean, that's not going to happen. So, all right. Uh, on the subject of music, okay. we should take a break. We'll okay. come back and we'll do your top five. Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. All right. Thank you so much. See, Sarah? Yes. <laughs> You know, can I tell you, this is the sort of genius that Jack Hutcherson just didn't appreciate. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You know what's a lot of fun? When we go to a commercial break and all the mics go off, and I'm the only man in the room, and suddenly every problem that is causing every amount of stress for everybody is the fault of a man. 
Sam the man. I'm just saying. Seriously. It is, uh... It is an interesting. Uh, it is, you know, Sarah. It, See, now you know how I feel because I'm always the only girl with two, like, with all these men. You know what I? You know, Sarah. Uh, this is uh, this is actually part of the training that I learned last night in my your coworkers and you oh, creating God, a harassment-free workplace nice. uh, test for CBS. Because Jamie Cooley, if you didn't know, CBS uh, has a zero tolerance policy for sexual harassment and any harassment based on. Race, color, sex, religion, national origin, ethnicity, age, marital status, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, disability, veteran status, height, weight, genetic information, or any other characteristic protected by applicable law. Jamie Cooley. That's pretty to so, the point. That being said, the yeah. best part about taking all these tests is at the very end where they, in fact, reveal, and they explicitly state in this test that when you're here on the air, you know, in the studio, yeah. none of these laws apply and you can do whatever you want. We could basically sacrifice children in here if we wanted to. So. Well, didn't you already sexually harass me? Um, I don't believe... That's not how <laughs> I, I remember it. I think it was a little it. vice versa. <laughs> I know, seriously. I wasn't the one who brought up someone's uh, bosoms. But you uh, did Jamie. bring up the kissing dream. Because a listener brought it up, and I wanted to let the tension out of the situation. I didn't want everybody to be sitting so out there on the edge of this? For people who were, might be newer listeners who didn't really, you know, know that going to kill you in your sleep. What? Why don't you give us a little, like, a, a detailed description of what exactly happened? Uh, I hate you so much. Uh, uh when... You, so was it raining? <laughs> Guess what I am thinking about stabbing you in right now? Uh, when we were working, when we were working at Intercom. Intercom. Yeah. That's a, by the way, those are three syllables that put joy in the heart of everybody. Uh, there's somebody who works there now that I won't identify for obvious reasons, but there's somebody we know, <coughs> pardon me, who works at Intercom, who never refers to it as Intercom. He does refer to his working quote behind the black gates of Mordor. So. Wow, that's impressive. And uh, anyway, but when we were working at Intercom. There was a whole lot of people at Intercom that um, that we kind of knew or knew of, but didn't really talk to a whole lot. Not because we were, you know, trying to be jerky, but uh, but you know, I will say that Sarah and I are sort of we kind of keep to ourselves. Yeah, you know, we're did. we're a little standoffish, and we it was more you. I'm just saying, you'd always okay, walk by me in the hall and kind of have your head down. Well, that's because I'm terrified of. Uh, I was just telling Sarah, actually, that, I mean, we were just, you know, whatever. We I'm a 35-year-old man, and still it's like, you know, it's like as soon as you put me in the room with any, you know, any kind of attractive woman, I just turn into a gibbering idiot. And a whole lot of like, I, I don't know, I have to go home, um, you know, and so I just I just turn into just, You're doing just, just a today. drooling retard. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> life of the pain. So, um... Uh, but you know, but we, we, you know, we, but we sort of, you know, we didn't necessarily. We were a little gun shy because we, you know, we kind of heard that there were people at, at Intercom that didn't like us and whatever. And it's probably just garbage. I mean, it was probably just nothing. Just people trying to create drama. But I mean, certainly speaking for myself, and I think to some degree for Sarah, we were a little, you know, we were a little hesitant because we we kind of heard that there were people in Intercom that were that were disliked us. And so I was like, well, f that. I'm just going to come in, do my show, and whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, there were people that, uh, you know, that we worked with that I never even talked to. I mean, Marconi. Who you know again? You know he you know he worked here until very recently. And you know, my conversations yeah. with him have all been very pleasant, very simple. He's always been a real nice guy to me. I've no no beef with him personally. But the entire time at Intercom, I think I probably shared sixty seconds of conversation with him. Maybe same thing with Daria. And of course, you know I have no problem with Daria. Yeah, I mean you know, great. but I, I just never talked to her because mm -hmm. my default setting was like I'm just going to get in and I'm do my gig and I'm going to go home every day. And I'm not going to you know whatever. And Tim Riley is sort of the extreme version of that, but I kind of was that way too. So you were there, and we, and we didn't really ever talk all that much. No, not really. I came in and bumped some cigs from Sarah a couple times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and so there and was... And plus we had, like, the whole female, you know, like, females in radio are never really friendly to each other. And yeah, I, like, you, you kind of are, but, like, 
at Entercom especially, like I'm not going to name any names, but I mean like a lot of the people who still work there and still who don't, I mean, the women are mean to each other. Yeah. No, it's, there it's, was a lot of weirdness there. at times, but... And I, and I will say, I mean, to be really honest, since we're, since we're being honest here, Jamie Cooley, okay. uh, it, this is what Sarah and I were talking about, by the way, where we always spend the first half of the show uh, it, it just like, uh, you know, holding, holding everything in, whatever's causing us stress, and then we finally realize you just have to discuss it. But, you know, th- th- there was also this... Th- you know that I, I think at that point certainly for me, and I'm really not speaking for Sarah. For me, up until up until recently, you know, there was a time when I was pretty easily goaded. There was there was a time when I was pretty easily pushed into into being really obnoxious or into being a or to picking fights with people on the air, and just you know, and, and I you know, and, I, and I've kind of tried to get away from that. It's just not the kind of radio I want to do. I'm not trying to be holier now. It's just not a thing. It's a thing that I did when I was younger and more insecure mm-hmm. about myself. And it's not like I'm the king of. You know, mental health now, as I think you might have noticed. But, you know, but when I was younger and I was really feeling just just not secure about myself or the kind of show I wanted to do. And so I would just kind of take it out on sort of everybody around me and other, you know, and other radio shows. And I was pretty easily provoked into doing that. And all they really had to do, it was like the third grade, like, well, you know, so-and-so says that you're ugly. And I'd be like, F them. I remember with Big Souk when he was saying all that stuff about And that's the thing, you know, and yeah, I got, we got provoked into some. He was like making fun of the way I dressed or something on on a show. And And so rather than just laughing it off, and I mean, and we just, you know, but I got into some retarded slap fight with those guys, which Mm -hmm. was stupid. It was. And I mean, people, you know, and people did it with, you know, people did it with us. And you, people are like, you know, Jamie doesn't like you guys. I'm like, F her, you know, and so then, you know. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and again, I'm not. I mean, no, you, well, infamously, I mean, everyone knows that you and I haven't always gotten along. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not trying to make excuses. <laughs> buddies now. Now we are. And I'm not trying to make excuses for, you know, for, for you know, whatever, for whatever I've said about anybody in the past. I, I mean, that was then and it was the way I was and whatever. But, you know, so that, you know, so there was a lot of that weirdness. But anyway, so that being said, you and I didn't really have any, you know, any contact. We didn't have a lot of communication. But there was, so then this one night for no readily apparent reason. Again, all the dream, all the stranger, because we, because we'd never really spoken. Um, I think I said hi to you a couple times. Maybe, but I think I probably went ah, ah, and then just ran off to the cafeteria. Scurried you know, off to your uh, production studio. Seriously, <laughs> ran ran off to play Dungeons and Dragons with the other boys. World of Warcraft with Gustav. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, you do that, don't you? No, I don't actually. Okay, good. Uh, I don't. Although, well, never mind. I was just—I was listening to ninety four seven on my way in today, and I heard Gustav talking about World of Warcraft. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. You know, I was just making an assessment. No, oh said, no, he totally does that. <laughs> oh man, no, I mean it's like. Uh, never mind. Anyway, I didn't know he said that today. Oh no, it's funny. like you know what? I think. Um, it, I think, look, I like Gustav a lot, I really do, and yeah. he and I work together on some outside projects, but I don't think I'm telling any secrets here when I say whenever I hear Gustav on the air, I always, it always seems like he's about 10 minutes away from either another game of World of Warcraft or like having a leash snapped onto him. You know what I mean? And you know what I'm talking about. So. I used to live with them. Really? Yeah, we were brutal. How was that? Um, Did he keep you in a small cage in the basement? Did they have a bondage room? Actually, Did they no. keep you in a concrete Austrian bunker? But uh, there was three of us in the no, yeah, exactly right. There was three of us in this big house um, around Lad's edition, and uh, one bathroom, and he would lock himself in for Man Beautification Day. He is a beautiful man. He really is. He's a man who takes great pains to sort of keep that Teutonic appearance of his. Yeah. He uh, he's sort of you know what he looks like. He's a great guy, though. He looks like that, uh, what's-his-name, Hans guy. If you've seen the movie Backbeat about the Beatles, he looks like Astrid Kircher's uh, boyfriend, Hans, who's the German guy with the turtleneck and the kind of, like, German haircut, and he's all, you know, 
And he's all like, this is Stu Sutcliffe. We will photograph him first. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's one of those guys. So, um. Well, I'm so nervous being here. Well, let me just, so we'll finish this up and then we'll, and then we'll do the top five and then we'll, uh, talk to, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ. But so one night, like out of the blue for no real reason, I had this dream where you and I were in a phone booth. It sounds so freaking stupid. I mean, I've already told the story. It sounds oh, it so. It seem like it really happened. It like sounds like so effing like retarded. This. So I had this dream, Jamie, that you and I were in a phone booth. Was it raining? It was raining. Was it nighttime? Nice. It, it was dusk. Was it a little dusk? I hate you was so much. Was a light? Was the light reflecting on the raindrops? I am going to cut out your lungs. Was it one of those old style phone booths? Like yes. Like the ones in Britain? Why don't I just be quiet and you can tell the whole dream yourself, Sarah? Yeah, I don't want to. Why don't you? Why no, don't you just... get, no, because then I'll get creative and then. Now she's gonna have a dream about me. <laughs> it was like this. It was like this weird uh, say anything thing, though, where it was like you and I were kissing. You and I were kissing in a phone booth in a rain in the rain, and the phone booth was all like fogged up, because it's the raining. Of the kiss, the kiss from the from the heat of our passion, Sarah. Where was the boombox? Uh, I, I don't know, and <laughs> Maybe the trench coat. I don't even know why we were kissing in a phone booth. And it's like, and of course, it's like a lot of people kissing in a phone booth. Did you talk? And it's like, no, there was no ta- no Just time for talking. talking, Sarah. Only Your time. Your busy doing something Just else. Just time for love. And, of course, like some dreams, it was like a movie where it started third-person perspective, and so it's like the camera. And so, I swear to God, the phone booth is in the middle of an empty parking lot for some reason. And it's like, it's raining, and the phone booth is all fogged up. So, you, you know, just like Jack and Rose's car in the belly of the Titanic. And so you can't really see what's going on, so the camera is getting closer and closer to the phone booth. Did you streak a handprint on the side of it? Oh, my gosh. And then so suddenly... <laughs> The camera cuts to inside, and it was like a biggest shock to me as anybody else, because I'm like third-person perspective in the dream. And then suddenly, hey, wait, that's me. Hey, that's Jamie. Hey, we're kissing in a phone booth. That's odd. Well, I'd say if it's like kissing, that would be more making out than just a It was pet. sort of making out. Was um, it hot? What did your third-person you body tell you? Do you mean like in, a, in an objective sense? <laughs> no, of course. Objectively true. speaking, I would say it was, it was well, a passionate was kiss. What did you think when you woke up? You're just uh, like, did you feel like you cheated on Lara? I uh, thought, I'm never, ever going to tell anybody about this. So here I am, of course, <laughs> for the second time on the radio talking about it. But, of course, then I didn't tell anybody about it. Then I went to work, and it was like one of those days where, for some reason, you were in really early. Uh-huh. And do you ever have a dream about somebody, but then you see them in real life, and they seem extra real? Like, yes. they seem to have a weird kind of glow, like they're a hyper real. No matter who it is, they, they are hyper real to you for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so I saw you in the hallway, and it was like that weird, you get that weird sort of... I was going to say that weird kind of like a, like, I don't know, like a twinge or whatever it is, but like a weird, like somebody you just so dr- dreamt about. Do you remember about. the dream? Or oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I remembered it. But I wasn't going to tell anybody about it. And then I saw you like literally like three hours later at work in the hallway and you're all high, Rick, and I'm all, ah, you know, and just nothing. And then, but it was like we've just talked about, you know, today that I've all, I've learned that we, if something is bugging me or if something, if I always feel like I got to hold something back or if I have to bite my tongue or if Sarah and I are here and one of us is, depressed, angry, pissed off, sometimes both of us. You know, we fight it, we fight it, we fight it, and then we just have to, like, spill it out on the air, and then we feel a lot better about it. Mm-hmm. And so finally on the air, I just said, look, if I seem distracted, it's because I'm weirded out. I had this dream where I was kissing a female coworker in a phone booth. But, of course, <laughs> what I did not realize, but what seems now in obvious in retrospect, Jamie Cooley, is that just, I think because I think she was had a lot of public profile at the time because of the TV thing, everybody thought it was Daria. Immediately. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, and you know, Daria's an attractive woman and all, and she was you know, beautiful. You know, she was, you know, and I think she, I don't know if she's still on TV now, but she was certainly and had, again, you know, a lot like of profile. And, stuff now, isn't she? Yeah, and, yeah. but everybody immediately, it's like when I was talking the other day about that, um, we had a female guest at one point in the studio who, uh, I was, uh, 
that had just a teensy bit of sort of an Insta crush on. But I and I was sort of commenting that at an earlier point in my life, Where's she. My competition. I'm just saying at an earlier point in my life, I was saying, well, this this girl totally would have been my type because she was a little bit crazy. And everybody immediately emailed Morgan Grace, and I actually had to say like it's not Morgan Grace. But um, but anyway, so then uh, I said on the air, I'm like, oh, I had this dream where I kissed a female coworker, and I think Sarah uh, prompted me for uh, unpleasant details then too. And everybody thought it was Daria, and so I and so then Daria approached me, and she's like, so what about this dream you had? And I was like, oh, for the love of Christ. So then I actually just had to tell her, and then I had to say in the air, like, it's not Daria, because I think people were emailing her about it. Rick Emerson wants to make out with you in a phone booth. <laughs> and so I had to just sort of say, like, it's not Daria. And then, of course, but then you realize once you do that reflexively, everybody's like, who is it? Yeah. And so I finally said, it's Jamie Cooley. Let's move on and drop it. But and of that course, was five years ago. <laughs> but as soon as you say move on and let's drop it, like, that is, of course, when it's never going to happen, right? Yeah. That's like when you realize that's not going to take place. So there you go. Friends and neighbors, once and for all, there is the <laughs> making out with Jamie Cooley in a phone booth. So did you re-enter your body? My when wife you were like loves it when this conversation comes up. By the way, I'm sorry. Well, just well, you said that you were it was like third person. You were watching something. Did you re-enter your body mid-kiss? No, no. I just I think we just I think the camera, like my sort of dream camera, was about six inches away. Like six inches away from your face. Just sort of watching both of us, and you know whatever. And then I woke up. It was all very weird, and it was just like, and then. You know, and so then, and by the way, Sarah, I, I can read your thoughts here. So here's what we'll do. We'll do this. We'll talk to Katie Darrell. We'll break. We'll do the top five in the beginning of the hour, and then Don Taylor will mm-hmm. come in. Um, but, and so then it was diving back into the awkward. It, it was, I think, just a short while after, I mean, not too long after that, when I ran into you in public, and I think you had had uh, several cups or something or other. Yes. And yeah. you stood. I and And you stood uh, really, really close to me, and you said, <laughs> So, I hear you have a crush on me. And I said, uh... It was at Mount Tabor, wasn't it? Probably. And I said... it was. I said, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you're great. Uh, you're a great girl, Jamie. It was, I was breaking up with you. You're a sweet person, Jamie. <laughs> I just, because I don't want to go like, no, but then I, I you know, I don't want to say like, well, you're hot, but no. I, so I was just sort of trying to sp- split the difference. I'm like, well, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty and everything. I just know. And, and, and you actually, and then you actually did this. I can remember this like it was yesterday. You actually leaned in close enough that I could, and I apologize because this makes it sound like I'm trying to dredge up more like erotic details. But you leaned in so close, I could actually feel your breath on my face when you said it. Okay. And you actually, you actually said, and I'm sure you remember this, you actually leaned in and you said, you're in love with me, aren't you? <laughs> and at that point, oh, Sarah God. arrived mercifully around the corner. Sarah <laughs> appeared, and I was like, Sarah Dillon, come Save stand. That's so great. Come stand between Jamie and I. I like you a lot, Sarah. Stand here as my human shield, because it was just sort of like I. It was a. It was an awkward uh, situation because I just. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, well, no, thank you. I'm just, you know, but now it's radio grist. So, <laughs> you know, and again, I'm, you know, uh, look, Rick Emerson is a married man and all, but. I mean, it is sort of awkward that there's, like, some hot blonde girl going, you know, you're in love with me. And, like, you're, like, three inches away. And it was... Was your wife there? No, she wasn't. Uh, she was not anywhere there to save me. Uh, you know, and she was nowhere around as, like, the sort of, like, circuit breaker on the whole situation. Well, I was saying and, it's good that she wasn't there because I probably would have got punched, right? Uh, you would have been uh, down the list of people being punched, I think. Okay. and Because, you know, because then you're thinking in your head, all right. This is one of those situations you hear about. Maybe, okay, am I being tested somehow? Is this a, 
has 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 a deity of some kind put the situation? Am I is this like a am I being punked? Yeah. Has somebody Where's the cameras? Has Laura <laughs> has Laura paid one of those private detective services where they have women come try to pork you in a hotel room bar or something, and then you you know and they, to see if you resist, and then suddenly you're on you're on cheaters with Richard Nunn or something. So hey, that's I, a gig. I really so I mean I like I it, it, there really was this moment where I was thinking. What am I going to do if Jamie continues to stand three inches away from me, breathing on me and saying that I'm in love with her? How am I going to handle what did this? What you think that you were going to do? Well, I mean, it was just how am I going to extricate myself from this situation? You know what I mean? There was no, so you know. It would be even more awkward in the halls. You know, and you I mean, know? that's, you know, and anyway, but that's right when Sarah appeared. And, uh, you know, because it, it is like a whole weird, awkward thing of like, how do you, because you're a guy, right? And so as a guy, not you, but I mean, as a guy... <laughs> As a guy, when a woman, I mean, you know, when a woman is sort of doing that, even you know, guys have this stupid thing, and I'm no exception to this. I mean, I'm as dumb as, I'm, I'm. Your loins burn. For, for, <laughs> I think God has sent Jamie here to test me. Am I being punked? I think I'm on cheaters of Richard Nunn. Burning loins. Um, if you have burning loins, Jamie, I think you've, uh, you've, you've been with the wrong person. Um, but. <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's really true. Yeah, but I've told Sarah this before because Sarah and I, you know, Sarah will occasionally, whatever, she'll have some issue with some guy or she'll have a question about men or whatever, you know, theoretically. And Sarah will ask me. And, I, you know, I always kind of point out that, look, that, that, I mean, look, my book learning notwithstanding, I mean, like the fact that I can name, you know, uh, whatever, that I can explain what dilithium crystals are doesn't change the fact that I am a guy. And so I am at my base just like a one celled organism. I mean, I really am just retarded because that's what guys are. And so guys have this stupid thing where even if like you are what you know you're married you're 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 you know you're you're partnered you're whatever um but if you feel like some girl is sort of like in in any kind of way like hitting on you or you know whatever like extending any kind of invitation I'm not if you were or not I'm not I'm just saying in general whenever a woman is kind of doing that guys always have this stupid thing they do where on the one hand they go, well, okay, now, now this clearly can't happen, and so this would be inappropriate, and uh, so I can't, this obviously can't happen, and I'm going to stop this now before anything takes place. That's the right thing to do. But at the same time, as a guy, in your... see how far it can go. Well, but that's, but see, it's even worse than that, and I really do apologize for my whole sex at this point, because guys have this thing where they want to, on the one hand, part of them is like, okay, i got to do the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm dating, I'm married, I'm whatever, this is, you know, so I'm going to say no and thank you, but... I don't want to burn any bridges here, because you never know. I mean, look, oh, uh, God, you know. Rick. And I, look, yeah. and I, no, I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, I, I'm not going to lie and make myself like, but guys do that. I'm not going to try to pretend to be a better person than I am. Guys well, you do don't want to burn any bridges ever, ever, ever. That's kind yes, of the thing. Do. But you kind of want to keep the, you got to keep, like, reach out with that string just a little bit to keep somebody on the back burner. Just exactly. Something else happens, and, like, you know, a few months down the road, you both happen to be single. That's why guys, and see, women, uh, I know, uh, hate this. But Is that's that why, a guy thing? Because I do that. Well, but we've talked about this before, that you have a lot of kind of male <laughs> traits. That, Jamie? Yes, I okay. do. Jamie, would you say, now, would you say that you have a lot of male traits in terms of, like, you know, your, your love life or how you interact with guys? Yes, definitely. Because we've talked about, yeah. which may be why you and Sarah kind of, you know, kind of didn't necessarily get on I'm all that yeah, well. we were both... Yeah, alpha females a little bit. Very yeah. much. You're both kind of like, what does Candace Bushnell say, the, the dominant blonde or the alpha blonde or whatever. But you're both kind of, you know, you both have kind of guy traits, I think, in Definitely, terms of dating. Yeah. Which, but I mean, so that's why you're saying it's, you know, you do that. Because, Sarah, because the guys, that's why as much as women hate this, that's why guys 
don't ever want to break up. They just slowly turn down the fader and they slowly quit calling because, and I know that women don't like that, but in the guy, in the male, like, stupid brain, what the guy thinks is, look, if I break up, she'll probably never um, have sex with me again. It's going to just burn that bridge. So what I'll do is I'll, you're busy for I'll fade <laughs> out and just slowly quit calling but that sort of leaves it open for the possibility, you know, like if, uh, you know, like someday, you know, I'll just sort of vanish very slowly. That way that, that way that door's, black. That, yeah, that way that door's still open for me if I want to come back in. And that never works, but that's why guys do it. Because guys, it's like that, what is the fable about the dog on the bridge with the bone or whatever? And it's like you want to have, you know, guys, they hate to let anything go. What? Guys, you know, you know, the, the, there's, that Aesop's, that there's this Aesop's fable. I say, uh, trying to explain guys and their penises, where the dog is on a bridge and he has a bone in his mouth and he's all happy and he's walking home and he stops and he looks over the bri- looks over the edge of the bridge down to the water mm-hmm. and he sees his reflection, but of course he thinks it's like another dog with another bone. He's like, wait a minute, I want that one too. So he opens his mouth and then loses them both. And so the point is, blah blah blah, you lose one because you're trying to vote. But guys are totally like that. They're all like John Bender with all the girls in the wallet and she says, why? And he goes, because I never throw anything away. And so that's why the situation was really awkward, because you have that stupid, like, reptile part of your guy brain that is like, well, you don't want to just say no and reject her, because, come on, who knows what the... Laura might be hit by a bus tomorrow. Oh, gosh. I mean, I hope she's not, but I mean... I he's married. No. But I mean, what if what if she's hit by an asteroid, and I life has to go on? I mean, so, I mean, let's just not be too rude to Jamie right now. But, if, you know, so that's... That's but no, but I didn't have to make this because then Sarah appeared around the corner. Men like you are why I'm single. Thanks so much. So, <laughs> anywho, so I that's Sarah. Of men in general. Sarah appeared yeah, as my that, savior, though. No, and I have like many. I have many guy friends who are like, who I I know that they have like a list of girls, like their text message thing. Totally. Kind of still stringing along, which I'm very much oh, aware yeah. of what's going on because I'll still get like the group text message that's supposed to look like it's for one person, but really, really kind of. Really? Text. Yeah. What? Like what? What will it say? What kind of thing? Like let's. So this is a guy texting a lot of girls, but trying to make you feel like no, it's I just think, you. I think he honestly has like a lady pool, and I think like that a bullpen. Yeah, and I think because we went out on a couple dates with him, but he's just a friend of mine now. Mm-hmm. But I, but I'm still on his little text message that list. Like whenever he's, I hated getting all the stupid Merry Christmas. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, no crap. No, I get, yeah, so I get all the generic ones, and they look like they're meant for me, but I can tell it. What kind of thing would it say, though? Like inviting, like if he's bartending or, like, DJing an event or something, I get the thing. Been a like, while. Come down and, yeah, come down and visit me. I miss your face. Like, oh, just, oh, oh, so creepy. Man. It's totally creepy, and it's funny because I've, I've called him out on it before. I'm like, can you just take me off your lady yeah, list? Like you sent please? this to 100 girls. Yeah, I'm like, can you off your lady list? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not. I just sent it to you, baby. I'm like, right. yeah, hey, I'm not interested in you. Like, been a long time since I've seen you. Come on yeah. down and say hello, winky emoticon clown hat. I just got that last night. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm DJ, and why don't you come on down so I can see your pretty face? It's like, how many oh. strippers am I, you know? Seriously. That yeah, that's the thing is because you know it's like between you, you know, you're there between, it's like your name and then like some girl that like, you know, sold him a fifth of Yukon Jack at the liquor store last week. Yep. Um, you know, so that's like the, uh, that's the Timmy Ryan, you know, kind of a thing. But. So, but like us always is like, you know, you got to have a bullpen and, you know, whatever. You know, if you're single, you're dating. But guys, I think, don't have, I think it's hard for guys to turn that sort of, that kind of instinct off. I think it's hard for guys to break that habit because guys, and see, you women, I, I say in a rash you generalization, you, see, you women kind of don't know what it's like in the sense that if you are a woman, I don't care who you are, 
I mean, you could be missing all your limbs and like half your teeth, but it's like you can find a guy to f you tonight if that's what you need. Described me. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, like if you just need a guy to come to come like give you some sex and like you can find a guy to do it. No matter pretty much no matter who you are. I mean, I'm just saying you may not want to, but you could. So guys, though, guys, it's sort of like a I like. I think the guys could get some sex, and there are some pretty like desperate ladies out there. Yeah, but see, but, but I think a lot of guys either they think I think a lot of guys don't. They, even if that's true, guys don't think it's true, and so they're they don't have the confidence to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is true, but a lot of guys are just convinced it's not because they have the old kind of gender roles in their head or whatever. But so you know, women are always, as Chris Rock once said, you know, every guy you know has been trying to f you since you were like thirteen. So it's not like it's easy for you to turn it down. You're like, no, 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 there's a guy down the street that's going to offer me some uh, some, some effing, but thanks so much, you know. No, 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 I was offered effing just a few minutes ago at the office, but I'll, so I'll pass, but, you know, that, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate the compliment. Guys aren't like that, and so guys, it's like, you know, guys never know where that next meal is coming from. And so I think that's why it's so hard for a guy to just out and out, like, say no to the possibility of sleeping with a girl, because guys never know if it's going to be like seven years of famine. You know, and you're like, damn it, That's why did like the string, the, the string along you thing, too, because you yeah. always like, do you at least send out like one text message a month? Just totally. so you know, just so they're aware that you still know that they're right. that they exactly. exist. Because then guys are all, I think when guys are between, you know, girls or they're not dating anybody or they're not, there's nobody they're hooking up with or whatever. I think, and again, I don't know if this is true for, 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 for women, but I think for guys, when a guy is currently not partner with anybody even if it's like a casual just like a just a sexual thing when guys are currently not sort of you know when when guys don't really have anybody that they're they're kind of seeing or sleeping with at that moment they're kind of between whatever's i think guys get this thing in their head of like oh my god wait a minute that what what if that was the last time i ever have sex (laughs) jesus what if i can never convince another girl to sleep with me Oh God! I did, why didn't I? Sarah, me. Why didn't? <laughs> That's Jamie Cooley speaking only for herself and not addressed to me, by the way. Um, but thanks, Jamie. But, but guys, oh, I'm sorry. Just to wrap it up and then read this email, then we'll break. But you know, guys will say like, you know, what if I, what if no woman ever sleeps with me again? Why didn't I have that so sex that last guys, week? Like, if they get an F buddy, is that why they stick with it? Because totally. the fear that totally. No, that's that what, makes a lot. That no, makes a lot. And of can sense. I tell you? Yeah, it does. Can I tell you? Rick Emerson is here to answer your questions about men. Um, Seriously, that's the first time I've ever understood that. No, no, no. Okay. Because guys, they don't want to be. Because then again, it's like, why didn't I have that sex that was offered to me last Wednesday? Oh, I'm such a fool. That's why. In I think, and here's another truth, uh, Sarah dear. Uh, it, guys, in my experience, and I'm not just speaking. I'm speaking for I think the most, the majority of men. Guys will treat, you know, an F buddy or whatever you want to call it. Some girl that is, you know, some girl that is basically aware of what it is. She's not looking for anything else. It's like you just get together, you you know, great old time and whatever. You go your separate ways. No strings. Gu- yeah. Guys yeah. will treat a woman like that usually so much better than they're treating a girlfriend. You know, then, you know, like you oh, date. Heck, a, yeah. You know what I mean? If there's a girl you're dating, because you know what? I, I don't mean to sound crass about it. I really don't. And this is probably Katie Darrell's. We'll talk to her in a second. So I can feel totally outnumbered. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Just I don't mean to sound jerky about it. I mean, it's just a fact. There's no shortage of girls that are looking to get married, to have kids, to have a serious relationship, for intimacy. There's no shortage of girls that will probably sleep with you, but they kind of want cuddling and romance or whatever. And I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just Sing. saying there's no shortage of girls looking to settle down. But there aren't 
you know, relatively speaking, there's a pretty, you know, it's a kind of a paucity of girls. There's a small number of girls who really look like, hey, I just want to get together and have sex and then, you know, maybe do it again next week. But, you know, please don't call me, uh, you know, really, unless you have to. There's not a lot of those girls out there, relatively speaking. So that is why a guy, if he can find a girl, like an F-buddy or whatever, will treat her like gold. Really? I mean, if he's not going to be able to make it, he calls early and apologizes. Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I apologize. It's my fault. I just, you know, I doubled. I'm so sorry. I, well, you know, I'll make it up to you. I, I, you know, I apologize. You know, I don't want to feel, you know, please, I, you know, I don't want to be inconsiderate of your time. I just, I would never, you know, I just, I, you know, I don't want you to think I take you for granted. So, well, next time, great. I'm so sorry. That's, uh, thanks so much. Okay, you have a good night. You know? Whereas with like, you know. like he's getting serious, though. No, but, but see, but it's not, it's not that he's getting serious. It's that he knows that, like, if he screws that up. You know, it's like he's lost the thing that's much harder to replace. I see. You can always find another. You can always find another girl who wants to marry you. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're a guy, you know, you can always find some other girl who wants something serious. If you have the girl who just wants that, guys take really good care of that because they know that replacing that, you know, it's like if you, it's like with your, it's like with your brand new MacBook. Uh, you know, you want to take care of it because you know what? That's a thing you can't just go down and replace for like, uh, you know, like, you know, down at the uh, down at the corner five and dime. I see. So, you know All what right. I'm saying? Yeah. There you go. Insight into the male mind on CBS Radio Portland, a proud part of the, uh, on KCMP Portland, a proud part of the CBS Radio family. This is the network of Edward R. Murrow. And then Don Taylor's going to be here. Man, it's like an Astro Fest. Mm -hmm. Jesus. At what point it. do we all have to synchronize periods? Uh, let's welcome now to the... Oh, way uh, to bring her on on that note. <laughs> wait, is this Katie Darrell? Hey, uh, Richie Bristol, is this Katie Darrell? All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, our good friend Katie Darrell. Hi, Katie, how are you? Hello, I'm doing great, how are you? I'm okay, sorry to, if you have to be on the receiving end of all of my nattering about men are from someplace and women are from down the street or whatever. I, uh, <laughs> I apologize. I, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. So, how's your, how's your life going? How are your holidays? Great. Really, no complaints whatsoever. I mean, it, it actually was really smooth sailing. I did the family thing, and uh, no one hit each other. There was no big fights or anything. You set the bar really high in your family. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where do you set it? Like, uh, well, no, no, no. I set the bar at about the same place. No black eyes. I'm a happy guy. The here's uh, now that my grandparents have all uh, passed away at this point, but my, the highlight slash low light of any family gathering at my home used to be. Where my grandmother, this is my maternal grandparents, my grandmother would, uh, her drink of choice was Jim Beam, and she would get really, really, really wasted on Jim Beam, and she would start talking about this guy that that was like a logger, there's a big logging industry here in the Northwest, and she would start talking about some guy that had his own logging truck, and she really should have married him, because he was a stable guy, not like my grandfather, and then my grandfather would just say, oh, shut up, woman, before I belt you one, and then they'd go back to eating and drinking, and I remember one magical Christmas when I was about five that my grandmother, the same one, actually got really loaded, took out her false teeth, and threw them at my grandfather. Oh, I love it. I love her. So, you know, it's like right from there to a Farrelly Brothers film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty much just happy when no one cries. I mean, that that's really the best thing. So. As long as as long as there's no restraining or a file, it's another happy Christmas at a Daryl household. Um, totally. I'm going to plead a little bit of uh, ignorance here in that we've kind of been playing a little bit of catch-up today. We've been running way over time with stuff. So I actually apologize that I, I don't know uh, what the big stories are at TMZ right now. So okay, good. So that's kind of like my choice. It's like my grab bag. Dealer's choice, Kenny. Okay. Well, this story is kind of fun because it's not really a celebrity, but it's a, a celebrity group is kind of being thrown into the mix on this one. Mm -hmm. Apparently, uh, earlier today, uh, police arrested a man. Uh, I believe he was outside in Chicago uh, while he was uh, participating in um, 
fellatio, all right? Wow. With another gentleman. And they arrested this guy. And the guy then in the police report said that he worked, uh, he was a blue man group guy. Like he was so a blue to speak. Man. Yes. And so TMZ put this story up and everything, and now we've done some more digging. We found out this guy lied on the police report. Blue Man Group says, this guy's never worked for us. It never will work for us, by the way. Uh, we don't know why he says that he works for the Blue Man Group. And now the police are backtracking, trying to figure out how this guy was able to lie on this police report and it go into, like, the public files, and no one catch that this guy really isn't a Blue Man. Well, this is, by the way, this just has Tobias Funke uh, just written all over it. I but... I love Tobias. I, we were talking actually earlier about um, uh, about uh, celebrities that people impersonate, and there's this there's this '80s band called New Shoes that are from Portland. And I was talking about how you know you the key to impersonating a celebrity is to pick somebody kind of famous enough that'll kind of impress people, but not so famous that it's easy to check or that they're going to check. And so impersonating somebody in the Blue Man Group is almost perfect, really. It really is. It really is. I mean, they're blue. How can they even tell? <laughs> Anywho, uh, what what else is happening in the Wasn't world of TMZ? Line? I may have found the line. That was the, that was the line. That's okay. Um, okay, so how about this? Former NFL star uh, receiver Andre Bad Moon Rising, he was arrested in San Antonio earlier this morning because basically he was uh, so drunk and out in the public that the cops had to arrest him. Apparently he went into the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel with two friends around 2 a.m., caused a huge scene um, when he, they found that the local bars had closed. The cops are then called in because they are acting rambunctious. Police arrived, uh, determined that Ryzen and his pal were too intoxicated, that basically they were uh, considered a danger to themselves and the public. They were both arrested, fined $85, and then released. But what's great is that once he was released out of police custody, he stuck around the jail signing autographs. That is that. that. See, you know, that is America in a nutshell right now. It totally right is. That is. That is what makes this republic of ours a great place to live and a great place for you and I to work. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, now, for those uh, big celebs that aren't working right now, they're out on vacation, uh, getting ready to celebrate the New Year. And where do you think is the new celebrity hotspot? Let, let me ask you this. Are we talking Los Angeles? No. I say as though that's going to make any difference, like I know what the hell I'm talking about. A new celebrity hotspot, uh, is it a city or is it a country? Um, it's a city in another country. How's uh, that? I don't know. Sarah, anything? Um, Paris? I don't no. Know. Dubai? <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> N- Namibia? <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. No, looks like all the A-listers are heading down to Cabo San Lucas to celebrate the uh, new year. We've got photos in a whole photo gallery of Cindy Crawford, Kid Rock, um, uh, Jennifer Aniston and George Clooney all down in Mexico getting ready to celebrate 2009. So uh, you can check out that photo gallery. And then my other favorite photo gallery that's up online, and this is just going to gross you guys out, but the cold store photo gallery. Thanks so, thanks so much. Uh, this is a whole gallery or just one photo? No, a whole gallery. You get to see all these celebs with their outbreaks. I mean, seriously, there's like 22 pictures in this gallery. It is fabulous. And let me just tell you that when you see this picture of Katie Holmes, like forever, you will just be like, wow, not hot ever again. (laughs) Oh, was it that time right before she married Tom Cruise where it looked like she was like punched in the face? Seriously, I mean, yes. I think it's the same photo. I mean, it is just Punched all in over. the face but by a legion. there's all kinds of other celebs. I mean, we've got Nicole Kidman. We've got, I think, Elle McPherson. There's just a lot of celebs that apparently uh, get outbreaks, and we've got a whole gallery for it. Can you. I tell you, really, I don't mean for this to, I don't mean for, the, for this to sound creepy, and I know that today we've, uh, any number of discussions on the show before you joined us uh, ran right up to the creepy line and I think vaulted over. 
<laughs> really? Just the the fact that you are so unbelievably sincerely giddy about this cold sore gallery, and that you actually said we've got 22 pictures of cold sores and it's fantastic. Sarah and I just shared a little private look right now, and then we both looked at the phone and we went, we gave each other the thumbs up. You are you yourself are fantastic, Katie. Dara. well done. <laughs> You can't find the cold sore diet. You, you, well, listen, we want you to be careful. You know, the ball's going to drop, and you're going to look for someone to kiss. So Just to speak. be careful, because we don't want you to catch any lip crud, Can all right? I lip crud? Can I tell you that you fit the tone of this show perfectly? You are really a uh, you are a, a, a fabulous addition to this program. You really are, and I'm not just saying that. So I love it. I love, we're, we're now a power uh, couple. It's like a power threesome. Let's be BFFs. Forever. Wow, let's forget I said that. All right. This is wrong. This Katie, is so wrong. Katie, Sarah. Kara, Sarah's being, Sarah's having this, uh, this inflicted on her right now. So, all right, uh, Katie, uh, happy new year and, uh, I don't know, do something, uh, do something exciting and only, uh, I don't know, and only slightly scandalous. And, uh, we will, uh, talk to you in the new year. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, much. Katie, you have a great later. day. All right, that's wonderful. Wow, this show is certainly. <laughs> This show has certainly gone in, in many, many different directions. It really has. I have to say that I was, I didn't expect it to be bad, but I, I have to say, Jamie, that when, uh, you know, when we were going to be on and he came in, that I, I didn't, I had anything bad, but I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't quite know what to expect. Well, I'm so nervous. I mean, like, are ah, you still nervous? Ah, yeah. Really? How can you still be nervous? We've been hanging out for three hours now. And I, I sat here and had to tell the, the whole story about you know, the, the, the kissing in a phone booth. <laughs> I mean, not that that's not desirable, I suppose, but I'm just saying, like, I had to sit here and be, you know, and then I'm revealing so all of the. I think Rick was more nervous than you. I'm gonna, I think Rick was more nervous than you. He was. About yeah, let's put that in the past tense. <laughs> I'm going to have to reveal all the secrets of my gender, you know? So, I mean, you know? I like it. All right. It's good times. Uh, well, should we take a break and bring in Don Taylor? Yeah. Let's do it. Let me do the top five. Continue to be drowned in, in X chromosomes uh, the uh, and so forth. By the way, I, remind me when we get back. Here's what we got to do. We get back. We'll talk to Don Taylor about film. We'll do Jamie Cooley's top five songs of 2008. Remind me to read some of these emails that are coming in about Jamie, uh, which oh, are... no. No, no, no. They're... Trust me, uh, you you want to you want to hear these. So, okay. all right, back after this.
Mark Emerson, radio program. It's 503-733-3970. Turn it up. 503. Turn it up. God. I can't. Do you remember our stupid imaging when we were at Max 910? Yes, I do. Go punch your girlfriend in the face. Remember the crotch-shaving one? The crotch-shaving one, that is the epitome. Oh, God. It was like the worst. We had the worst imaging. I can't even talk about that. Because they were trying to do, it was like a guy talk. I was talking about that earlier when you were talking about having all the women in the studio. I was like, how far you've come from when you were on the channel for men. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Film.com. Don Taylor. Yeah. Boy, those were dark times. They really, I mean. Did you listen to that atrocious program? I did. I mean, my husband has been a fan for years. Because he's a guy. And he would listen to you on any station you were on, because right. he's always been a fan, to the point where I got sick of hearing your name. That's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> he knew more about you than he knew about, like, his own job. I, yeah, we'll get emails like that occasionally, and it's usually from women for whatever reason. And they're like, you know, so I think my boyfriend might be secretly in love with you because blah, blah, blah. And it's like, the, and it's oh, like. I've dated guys who are obsessed with you. It's annoying. Which I don't, it's not like, a, you know, like, look how cool I am. It's just, you know, it's like, well, he might have one of those. It's like he has one of those jobs where he drives around all day. So right. he listens to you guys every day. Right. And he comes on and I'm like, oh, so what What'd you do today? Oh, I delivered stuff. You know, Sarah stayed out too late last night. <laughs> she was really tired. And, and Tim, Tim's been sick, so he lost his heart. I'm like, Tell me about you. I didn't do anything. You know what? I got an email one time from a woman whose husband had, uh, husband and boyfriend. Anyway, he had forgotten, like he'd forgotten their anniversary, I think. But he, but but like just two weeks before had been like my birthday or the anniversary of the show. And he'd remembered that. He's like, oh, it was Rick's birthday. And then he forgot the anniversary. And I thought she was just going to castrate him with a, with a, with a, with a fish scaler. So, in any event. So, I, I did want to say, real quick, I did, last time I saw you was at Richie's uh, thing. Oh, yeah, the uh, drag show. I walked in, you were in the lobby, you were talking to somebody, and I, I went, hey, I'm sorry, I'll introduce my husband. Yeah, and you gave me the, like, quick nod kind of, like, thing, and I thought, oh, God, he doesn't like me. Oh, maybe I wasn't good the last time I was on the show, and he doesn't want me anymore. I don't remember oh, doing oh, no. that. And so then I was afraid to talk to you the whole time. No, Rick in public is a different Rick. Like, he's, well, not, he's not even friendly to me. He's just a completely okay, different Well, I also know from the conversation earlier, though, I now know it's because I'm so adorable. Yes, and I was just going to say, you take that back. I am always you're polite and courteous no, in public. But you're, oh, you overcompensate. You're too polite and courteous, whereas you're just like a stoic, like, stone man in the corner. I just, I apologize. It was, it was sort of a, that was kind of a weird night because it was so unbelievably cold I think and we've been standing outside and then I got inside and then I ended up I, there was you know some, was talking to some people some listeners and I was talking to Byron and Richie was you know fluttering around and whatever and, and I think I ended up talking to, to Chris Paddock from KUFO about something and so I apologize I didn't, I'm sorry I don't mean oh, to no, it's like, I, no uh, now I know, I know. I like it's because I'm, I'm hot and I intimidate you so well it's true I mean this is all true so <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, Do you get constant emails from Barack and, and Michelle Obama? Not anymore. No, they've used me and moved on. They've abandoned me like last week's tissue. Time. What better way to, ce- to celebrate the holidays than to give us money? Seriously, I don't get any of those. You know, the it's funny. Things are changing. Now that the election is over, I am off of his mailing list. I don't get anything from Barack Obama now. He doesn't write. He doesn't call. Yeah, we got your 20 bucks. Uh, seriously, I'd like to thank Rick Emerson, who donated my campaign and will now be forgotten. I did not donate to his campaign, by the way, but I'm saying that's how I feel. Uh, I was going to read some emails about today's show, but now Jamie has vanished. So we will take she this opportunity. Uh, Don Taylor. Okay. So you, um, so it was kind of a weird couple of weeks because we had the, 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 we were gone and then there was the weather and the whatever. But it, so we're coming kind of the end of, of 2008. And I think uh, I would, I don't have the actual list in front of me. You, know, you had sort of been assembling 
Kind of an overview. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the process of doing a piece for Film.com, uh, and they want us, uh, each of the writers, to talk about the notable DVD releases of 2008. And that's really all they assigned us. So I was kind of torn because it's like, do they mean the movies I liked best, the right, ones right. that are most important, the ones? So I just kind of threw together a couple of things that uh, I thought were impressive. Particularly, I started with... Um, DVD box sets. There were a couple. I, I don't usually like the gimmicky packaging very much. Right. But I don't know. if Did you see the Mad Men season oh, one? Oh, don't even get me started. Edition one? Let me just say this about that. So I'm not, I'm really not complaining. Because, again, we have, uh, and you know, Sarah and I, we were just talking earlier with Jamie about some of the downsides of radio. But, I mean, we have great jobs. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, everybody knows. You know, There's a great job to have. So I'm not complaining, but I will say we gave those away, and there were no people were like, "Hey, did you get one of those?" I'm like, "No, we had to give it." Like we got ten, and we gave away ten. There were the tin ones. They were like a Zippo lighter. Yeah. Did you see the actual Mad Men? No, thank There's God. A picture of it. It I looks. Have a it oh, looks come like a big on. Zippo it's lighter. a big Zippo it's lighter. Tin. It flips open. It's got the six discs inside. The discs are, are red. Like flames. I mean, and it's only like 60 bucks. It's beautiful. Is, uh, uh, no, man, I think it's something else. I think it's yeah. more than that. But, um, yeah, and it has a whole lot of, there's audio commentary by the cast and crew on every single episode. There's a behind-the-scenes featurette. There's a featurette just about the uh, about advertising in the 50s oh, and the so 60s. Oh, that's so cool. i got to buy that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, there's a, a music sampler CD, uh, music sampler previews of the music that's on the CD, which you can actually buy separately, but. Yeah, I don't like the gimmicky kits very much because they don't fit on my shelf. Sure, my sure, DVDs, yeah. But I love the fact that it's a big Zippo. Well, and I mean, is there a separate audio track that's just the sound of John Hamm <laughs> sighing contentedly, looking into a mirror? Smoking. I'm okay. John Hamm. None of you are John Hamm. Only I am John Hamm. Uh, the other one, if you didn't see, I have a picture here of this. Uh, this was the Big Lebowski, Lebowski 10th Anniversary Edition that came in a bowling ball. So this is, attention, Jeff McGinley, so this is a bowling ball that you open up and then the DVD set is inside of it. Yes. That, see, and I'm not much of a Lebowski fan, but it's a, this is a cool set, though. That's fantastic. And really all it is is it's all of the same stuff that was uh, in the special edition that came out in 2005. It's even the same transfer. It's not a remaster or anything like that. It's all about the packaging. You're basically just buying it for the bowling ball. But one thing that's new on this one is there's a photo gallery of behind-the-scenes photos taken by Jeff Bridges during the... That's uh, pretty cool. During during the shooting, and they're really nice. I dig stuff. Like, what was I watching... I was watching some DVD the other day, and it was something, I think it was the Sports Night, uh, the, the, the Sports Night Anniversary Edition. I'm a huge Sorkin fan. And there was, like, home movies taken on the set. You know what it was? It was the home movie, it was, like, strung together home movies that they had created for the first season Christmas party oh, for the nice. cast. And it was, like, Peter Krause or somebody had actually made, like, a little home movie thing to show at their first season Christmas party for the show's cast and creators. And they put it on the DVD set. It was, like, the coolest thing ever. That's so, cool. yeah. Um, and, and not very gimmicky, but just really cool, is there's a uh, Dirty Harry Ultimate Collector's Edition that I'm came out this all year. Over that. Uh, which is all five movies remastered for DVD and Blu-ray, which also has a retrospective documentary, uh, all new commentaries and featurettes on each movie, a 40-page uh, hardcover book. But the coolest thing about it, oh, there's a San Francisco map that details all the different places Dirty wow. Harry went looking for killers. But the coolest thing is the set, to me, it has a replica uh, Harry Callahan wallet with an ID card and badge. Okay, no, dude, you, here's why... He, okay, no. Wait, hold on. Here's why I have to weigh in on this right now. Because you're talking about gimmicky DVD sets. And about 40 seconds ago, when we started this Dirty Harry conversation, you've been talking about the bowling ball and the Zippo lighter for the Mad Men thing. And you're like, there's a brand new five-disc DVD set for Harry... Or for Harry Potter, for Dirty Harry. And, um, and in my head, I thought, 
Make it be the badge. I want the badge. Make it the badge. <laughs> badge. Badge. I want the badge. And it's the badge. It's the badge. And the wallet. Because, of course, at the end of Dirty Harry, as the, like, the jazz keyboard is playing, he opens up his wallet and he takes out his, his shield and he looks at it and then he chucks it into the water and walks away. That is so cool. You could oh, I get chills thinking about it because I'm a retard. I've never seen that movie. <sighs> well, oh. you know, any of them? Good. It's oh, dude, it's it's arc, the, the, the first Dirty Harry the movie. thing. I, maybe, but I mean, I guess sort of. But here's the thing about the first Dirty Harry movie. It's an important movie because you'll watch Dirty Harry and you really should because it's a great film and it's an indie film. I mean, almost it made a shoestring budget for like no money, but. Um, when you watch the first Dirty Harry, it's just kind of gritty and edgy. Long before gritty and edgy became like a thing that big studios did to try to make a movie seem exciting. Mm-hmm. It was legitimately like a grimy, dirty kind of crime story. The thing about Dirty Harry, it's like Animal House in this way. When you watch Dirty Harry, all the way through the film, you're just going to be thinking, this is such a cliche. I've seen this a million times. But the thing is, Dirty Harry invented those cliches. Like really? they, they, you know, Dirty Harry, cre- like the... Here's one. Here's the most obvious cliche that Dirty Harry created. You watch it, and there's the obligatory sequence where he's pursuing the case, like, outside the, the law, and so he gets kicked off the case by, you know, like, the lieutenant who yelled, Callahan, you're off this case! And then he goes and he has to solve it on his own time because the man kicked him off the case, which is totally a cliche now, but, a cliche now, but Dirty Harry created that. And it's just, Dirty Harry is a, it's a really harrowing film. I mean, it's a dark, really disturbing satisfying crime drama, though, and especially when you consider the time when it... When did that come out? Like, 75, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And America was just so, I think, torn up by, like, Watergate and Vietnam and, you know, and cultural strife and riots and, you know, the civil rights struggle and all of the stuff in America seemed, I think, like a very complicated place to people. And there was the sort of the so-called silent majority, like the, the, the Archie Bunkers of the world and the My Dads of the world, who felt like America was just kind of coming apart of the seams and nothing was really, you know, everything was was slipping away and there was no good or bad, there was no right and wrong. And Dirty Harry comes along, as Tyne Daly would say in The Enforcer, Dirty Harry Callahan and his big old 44, and it was absolutely black and white, good guys get punished, or, you know, good guys triumph, bad guys get punished, and, you know, evil is vanquished at the end, you know, at the end of the freaking gun, you know, and he has that great, you know, that do you feel lucky, and there's just... You know, that moment at the end of the film where he does where he does that whole speech to Andy Robinson, you know, which they've set up earlier in the film. And he says, you know, did he fire six shots or only five? And, you know, do you feel lucky? And you all I mean, it's not a spoiler because, you know, it's coming. You know what's coming when he tells the serial killer. It's like, do you feel lucky? And the guy's looking at his gun trying to figure it out. And, you know, it's coming. But it's like they don't even pretend that it's going to go a different way. They just make you wait for it. And he's sitting there with his serial killer, and he's got the gun pointed at him. And, you know, Clint Eastwood says, do you feel lucky? And this creepy as hell serial killer, like, looks at his gun and looks at Callahan and looks at the gun and looks at Callahan. And they draw it out forever. And then he reaches for the gun, and Callahan just blows him off the dock into the water. And it's just the most satisfying thing. And it makes you feel kind of weird to be so satisfied by it, because it's like police brutality. But, That's where that line came from? Yeah. Okay. Do you feel lucky? Dirty okay. Harry. Yeah, it's a it's a isn't brutal, a brutal movie, but it's, it's a great beautifully movie. Beautifully directed. Yeah, isn't Jamie right that there's a punk at the end of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you feel lucky? Punk? Oh, do you feel lucky? Yeah. Punk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says That's he kind of he says well, and he twitches it, <laughs> and he does that great because Eastwood, you know, Eastwood's a sexy man, and he does that great little twitch of the lip, you know, that yeah. little smirk. 
You know. Now, on the other hand, though, have you seen the trailer for his new film, Gran Torino? No. Which I haven't actually seen Gran Torino. I've just seen the trailer. But it's like Dirty Harry gets old, and then he moves in next door to Korean people that he doesn't like. And so it's really... It's like King of the Hill with a gun. (laughs) It's it's very, very weird and kind of creepy. Okay, then. Let's take a break. Come back after this. uh, More from Don Taylor, and we will count on Jamie Cooley's top five songs of 2008. And I'll read some of these uh, emails that have come in uh, as well. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Stay there. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Indeed. We now enter the status part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program, here with Jamie Cooley and Don Taylor. Uh, and we're so. just having an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we were... I have to say... It, no, so now, wait, wait a minute. Uh, am I an honorary one of the girls today? I don't care one way or the other. I just want to know. All right, well, hello, hi. <laughs> we're all kind of guy-like girls. Yeah. Guy- so that, sure, you're kind of a girl-like guy. Meaning, yeah. what do you mean by that? You're kind of girly. How do you mean? Uh, you're very, I don't know... You, you well kept. Care. Say yes, it. Exactly. Say something about my yes. Something about my appearance. You take great lengths to you know make sure that your appearance is precise. You're well groomed. You're well groomed. Right. Great. You kind of you're, you're neurotic the way a girl is. You worry about things that are out of your control. You smell pretty. I, you watch, and you, you have bracelets calories? on, Rick. What? You have you bracelets do. on. You have bracelets. And you count calories. You put jewelry on than I do. You know, okay. I do count calories. All right. And I do obsessively weigh myself. No. Uh, you know. That's but if, but if you're in, But if you're in radio, you can always get away with it. I'm like going, well, Howard did that, you know. So, I mean, like, that's a, Howard is totally like a get-out-of-jail card for guys in radio who do that. You're like, no, no, no. Howard totally was obsessive about you or whatever. So, you should have seen me when I was in... Uh, you should have seen me when I was in the... Um, uh, when I was in uh, high school and I... At one point, long story, but one long story short, I desperately wanted then as now wanted to be Jimmy Page and wasn't really in the cards, but I figured if I could like at least dress the part. So if you'd been in Kennewick at about the, you know, when I was like 15, you would have seen me shopping at Claire's and just buying at this point. I mean, you know, because somebody said that I was thin now, but I used to be just a rail and I I would just buy a whole like armful of the silver bangles and put them on. And mine's always like black rubber jelly bracelets. <sighs> yeah. No, I wasn't even that cool. So, uh, but during the break, we were talking about something about musicians or something or other, but it, there was this whole great conversation that just happened <laughs> where Don Taylor, who is, of course, happily married, said that you went through a phase of dating musicians. Oh, we all and have. there was the greatest moment I would give anything for this to have been on tape where Don Taylor said, well, I was always really into drummers. And Jamie and Sarah both go, ugh, boy. <laughs> And, and then somebody said, well, I'm a lead singer girl. And somebody else said, well, I'm a lead guitarist girl. Everyone now, everyone now say what kind of musician girl so you could, are. We could actually date a band. As we a could. Yeah, yeah, I'm not dating the bass player. I called not it on that. I am not dating You're the roadie. I get the keyboarder. I, I'm, not with, I'm not with the manager. Uh, so anyway. Uh, not the drummer. Keep me away from drummers. See, nah, that, that, I've never been with a drummer. I've never dated one. I just, I, I always really cliche. It's yeah. really true. I think drummers were, and, and this is, of course, is a generalization. I apologize to any drummers that are listening, but I think of all of the guys that get into bands, uh, drummers were like the dorkiest in high school. <laughs> yeah, because because the drummers are the sluttiest. Practicing yeah, drums, well, drum, drumming and practicing drums and learning drums is a very solitary thing. Yeah, that's true. It's not like you're sitting around at parties and getting and the jam with your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's so true. you know they're just sitting at home in their room listening to Kiss. So they're like, misfits. Playing, playing along with it. Yeah. Yeah, they're okay. total like ice, which is why they all turn out like Tommy Lee, because they spend all this time in their room like stupid 
girls who talk to me, stupid everything, stupid me, yeah. stupid, you know, and then, of course, yeah, then they just go crazy. Um, all right, then. I'll read a couple of these. Uh, subject line, Rick, great show today. My compliments to you and Sarah and Jamie. Excellent and entertaining, says uh, Mike. How about this? Uh, are there any pics of this Jamie chick? <laughs> we, I need URLs over here. Uh, how about this? About Jamie Cooley. Jamie is totally the female Byron Beck when it comes to uncomfortable sexual tension. Good, o- good on her. Good for you. And then he says, now you have to deal with the name Jamie Cooley being in the same context as the phrase on her. You're welcome. How about this one? Uh, let's see, Rick. I remember the original airing of your dream. I always thought it was about Jolie. No, no, no. It was not about Jolie. Uh, well, you can flex Jamie and Cooley. Yeah. yeah that's so. true. Mm-hmm. And that's subject line, this is the last one I'll read. Then we'll do the top five. Subject line, for your boys. The email says... Rick, could you put a photo of Jamie's rack on your webpage? Thanks so much. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> done and done, sir. Yeah. All right. Get out uh, the Blackberry. All right, lady. <laughs> and so forth. Uh, let's do the top five, shall we? All right, here's your top five for Tuesday five, on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Well, all right then. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. All right then. All right, uh, so we have been joined today, uh, in addition to uh, Don Taylor, by Jamie Cooley, late of uh, 94.7 K, who's here, a music aficionado, of course. And uh, so, uh, yes. And we never got her story either. The firing. Oh, story. but the, we never got your firing story. Or laid off. You got to come back. <laughs> you got to come back at some point. Okay. All right. You, you come back. Yeah. All right. Uh, I appreciate you saying that, even if you're just humoring me at the moment. Uh, You'll have so, to tell me about your next dream you have of me. Only if you dream about it, and she'll come back. Uh huh. You're gonna have another. You know it. See, why do you do that? You women are evil. <laughs> You are, really, this is, uh, well, anyway. Um, so yesterday I did Fun. my top five songs released in 2008. Uh, tomorrow Sarah will do her top five songs released in 2008. But, of course, uh, you know, Jamie, you've been, you know, worked in radio, been a you know, music yeah. fan your whole life. Uh, so apparently a fan of lead guitarists. So, <laughs> and tambourines. And tambourines. Triangle. Uh, so uh, we have had you put together the top five songs released in 2008, and they could be anybody. The only rule is they had to have come out in this calendar year. Correct. So uh, we will not count these down. Jamie Cooley, let's count down the top five songs released in 2008. You know, actually, I can't find my list now. That's, that's fantastic. That's great. Do we, that's uh, good radio Do right we there. have it here? I mean, uh, is Richie going to... Uh, Richie, I'm sorry. Richie, that's okay. Richie will go. Uh, I really Richie will go dig songs. it up. <laughs> I can't remember what they are. Is it on the? Uh, well, the order can be. Is it on the counter somewhere? Um. Well, this is fantastic. Oh, here we sorry, go. Sorry, there sorry. it is. I'm okay, sorry. Here we, we go. Here we go. Sorry, All sorry. right. These are Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. All right. Um, coming in at number five, All American Rejects, and then I put yeah. in parentheses me. Gives you hell. These guys are so cute. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just That's like, our band. That's what we're going to do, Sarah. We're going to date these guys. The All-American Rejects? Yeah. I, I, need, I need to take a look at the drummer first. Oh, wait, I'm married. I'm not part of this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> since I'm just a girl at this point, let me say, I watched a video by these guys this morning because they've covered um, they covered Womanizer by Britney Spears. I know. Yeah. I just watched it this It's morning. okay. It's, kind of, it's acoustic. It's kind of different. It's kind of this boring. This lead singer is like, he's like a Smallville guy. He's gorgeous. Have you met him before? Yeah. Yeah. She says with smug satisfaction. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Did you get them? I tried. Yeah. 
It's a this is a great song. It's so good. And you know, I am and I'm no I, I make no secret of my love for pop songs and you know, my love for just really carefully and well constructed pop. And there's, I mean, it's a real art to it. People who say the pop songs are sort of easy or meaningless are people who've never tried to write them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this, you know, this is the sort of power pop that I really gravitate to. It's so infectious. I mean, you just can't deny it at all. And I'm also a sucker for anything that has like a chanting kind of gang vocal chorus, you know, which I think that's a result of growing up in the 80s. Molly or something? Totally, yeah. You know, it's like the locker room chant kind of thing that a lot of bands go. Yeah, exactly. This is a really strong album, too. You have it? I do. This album, there's a song in here called uh, Mona Lisa. It's called Mona Lisa When the World Comes Down, okay. which is a really, I mean, it's a, there is another song on this album called, the album is When the World Comes Down by the All-American Rejects. There's a song called Another Heart Calls. It's a duet between him and some woman. I don't know who it is. Oh, yeah. It sounds that. for all the world like that guy from the Psychedelic Furs, whatever his name is, the lead singer. Oh. And he went on to be in Love Spit Love. Yeah, it's uh, it's really quite something. So you, as Kurt Lauder would say, do try to catch it. What is his name? I have no idea. Uh, that's gonna kill me. But he's got really well-defined cheekbones. <laughs> the lead singer of this band, yes, he's gorgeous. Wow, I'm looking at a picture of him. These it, are it's it's like staring at the sun. <laughs> it's like seeing a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> These are Jimmy Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. All right, number four, um, Carolina Liar, and I'm not over. Now I don't think I don't think I know this. Oh, why is it not playing? It's a freaking hit. Oh come on! For the love of God, are you kidding me? Ay, why does it say paper jam when there is no paper jam? This has really been an exceptional day. Let's see if I can get this to play here off my. Uh... There we go. The switch applications. I went and saw these guys recently at a ninety-four-seven show, actually. And uh, they were great. Now are these where are they from? No, I'm not sure. I think L.A. But they're not like a local band. No, no, no. What are they called? Carolina Liar. I like this. Rick is pantomiming at me that he's sorry that I can't hear. We're short a pair of headphones. I apologize. Are we? Are you sure? Listen this for I don't believe Don. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Don. That's nice of you to say. I like this one. Yeah, it's good. Richie just brought Don headphones. Thank you. This is a great song. It's great. Yeah, it is. I hear hand claps. That's the way to my heart is a hand clap. <laughs> Seriously. That or like a whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, it's coming up. At the end of the song, there's a lot of whoa. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, this is great. <laughs> you don't have to lie. You can legitimately like the taste. But these guys aren't as good looking as All American Rejects. No, the guy from the All American Rejects, though. It's like I, staring at the sun. I, like, you have to look away. I almost. It's just too beautiful. I almost kind of hated him for a minute because, like, he has, like, the guy, the All American Rejects guy, has such well defined cheekbones, it almost looks kind of painful. <laughs> it looks like his skin is being stretched. Maybe try to make out with him and you cut your face up. Uh, well, I suppose in theory, Sarah. I'd melt. <laughs> I feel like I need to go look. home. And I'm gonna go play Xbox for like ten hours tonight, and then I'm gonna and I'm gonna belch and scratch myself and eat some spray cheese. All right, Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. Um, number three, The Black Kids. I'm not gonna teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. That's a great name. I I like it already just because of the title. These now, this are is from not Florida. This is not The Black Keys. The Black Kids. Okay. Yep. They're from Florida. It's just a great pop song. It's kind of 
teasing though because he's like, you're the girl that I've been dreaming of ever since I was a little girl. Little girl. Right here. It's kind of a Robert Smith thing there. It's got kind of an 80s uh, dance It's totally the thing. Yeah. I like it though. <laughs> kind of like Head on the Door, Era Cure. Yeah. Very much Okay, yeah, I love this. Well, Jamie has, like, the greatest music taste. Thanks. <laughs> but no job. <laughs> There's always the flying J. There is the flying J. <laughs> and Taco Bell. I'm going to look into it, yep. Wait, was it Taco Bell at the flying J? No, oh, two separate cool. job offers. <laughs> that would be awesome. The trifecta. Oh, see that there, that cheering in the background. Mm-hmm. I am such a sucker for gimmicks. You'd really yeah. like the band. <laughs> Production gimmicks like that. Yeah, that's... Wow, I can't get over how much uh, like the cure he sounds. Yeah, it definitely does. Well done. All right, these are... Uh, Jamie you like Coo- you so far? I do. This is a really great list. Well done. Okay, this is uh, Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. Coming in at number two, um, I love this band and... This song is brilliant, lyrically. Kings of Leon, use somebody. Now, Dave Zinn is always trying to get me on the Kings of Leon bandwagon. This is going to be on my list tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. This one I actually know. This one I, I've heard before. I love this song. This song kills me. I love it. And I'm ashamed to admit that I kind of don't really know anything by Kings of Leon. I'm. Court is a huge fan of theirs. He actually burned me to see him. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of out of the loop. And I officially did not buy any of these CDs this year. <laughs> Good for you. Way to stick it to the man. Right. Sorry. Well, you know, as Abby Hoffman would say, it's a, you know, it's wrong to steal from your brother, but it's wrong not to steal from the man, Jimmy. So. I like that. That's good stuff. That's pretty great. That's almost like a... Someone like you. Sometimes you Bruce Springsteen sometimes in a really random way. I could say that almost yeah. like Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone a little bit, maybe. Rick Springfield. <laughs> Rick Springfield. <laughs> Just that little kind of that plaintive kind of an edge to his voice at Rick Springfield. <laughs> the lead singer from New Shoes. That's uh, that's me. There's a little Hasselhoff in there. <laughs> yeah. The Germans love it. <laughs> See that kind of that build, you know, where they started to, but then they take it back down, and then they, you know, they rebuild the energy of the song. I love stuff like that. Just a well-produced record, you know, is just really one of the greatest things on earth. When you hear a record where they've taken time with the production, yeah, that's that's really good, and it does have that kind of wall, that wash of sound. Yeah, I couldn't get on the guest list for uh, the show last time they played because all the members of the Decemberists, Danny Warhols, and Modest Mouse were on their guest list. Really? Yeah. I was uh, like, damn them. <laughs> oh, no, we trust me, uh, you know, it's funny, about uh, about a week or two weeks ago, uh, a week or two weeks before the whole thing with Tim happened and Tim was let go, we were actually having a conversation on the show that we've had several times about... You know, we've all been through a lot of unemployment here, uh, you know, several times. And Sarah and Tim and I were talking about, you know, uh, we, you know, we don't, we don't ever really say it out loud or to the people in question. But if I look through my cell phone, phone book, 
I am fully aware. I I remember who called me when I had a radio when, when I didn't have a radio show and who didn't. Yep. I remember who only rediscovered my phone number after I got back on the radio. Yeah. Hey, dude, how have you been? Hey, well, hey I've been unemployed. Where have you been? You Ass. Just falling yeah. off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. No, my advice to you is to create an enemies list. That's what we've create all done. Okay. It's very helpful. Create a grudge list. Create it, set it aside when you get your next gig and they start calling back. Just oh yeah. Keep them in mind. Wait, on my list. It's also really satisfying when the people on your enemies list get laid off too. And then you <laughs> that, can, yeah. I, uh, yeah. can I tell you actually uh, the guy <laughs> the guy who the guy who actually fired us at Intercom uh, I do believe was himself fired Jack a while back. Uh, no, it was uh, it was Alan. Alan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he went to he's in other market, right? Yeah. Kansas City. Kansas City uh, was doing a sports station. Yeah, and then, but then, and then the guy who fired me in Salt Lake City, he got, this is so great, the guy who fired me in Salt Lake City, he got fired, and then about a year later, somebody emailed me the story. About a year later, he was trying to get a new gig, and as he went to this other city to negotiate a deal with a radio station for his next gig, and the night that he was staying, like he went there and he was staying the night at a hotel and negotiating this contract with a radio station, and he decided to celebrate his new gig by getting a hooker, and they busted him, and That's his picture smart. was right there in the newspaper. Nice. Fat bastard. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. That's what you get. How do you uh, really feel? Uh, Jamie Cooley's top five songs released in 2008. All right, number one. This is a duff, you know, main Coldplay. Viva la vida. I have to say, like, Here's the thing. Here's my thing about Coldplay. I feel as though I'm supposed to love them. And then, it's not even that. That's it's what like I know about Coldplay too, because I like them, but I just I don't know them well. Enough. And I feel like I'm supposed to really be very into them and, and respond strongly, and I don't. And I kind of feel, I kind of feel like I'm, I don't know, like I'm missing some part of my brain, or that I'm dumb no, somehow we... for not getting them. See, I find myself I dislike them because I keep getting them pushed at me so much, right, and because right. so many people, they're, I'm, so I get that. You could love them. I'm, just, yeah, they could be great. But it's like, oh, Coldplay. I just decided to not bad. like them just out of, out of right. you know. Just to be that one just person to, that doesn't. <laughs> just because I just, everybody tells me that I'm, you know, supposed to love Coldplay. I'm like, I'm just not going to. I had a friend of mine who was that way with The Wire. He actually wrote, he wrote this, he wrote this long blog entry. He's like, you know, The Wire's gone, and now I want to have to hear people telling me to watch The Wire. I'm never going to watch The Wire. I would have if you sons of bitches hadn't pushed it on me. So. And I find myself just being petty, going, oh, he named his kid Apple. Yeah, so oh, yeah. It has nothing true. to do with the music at all. Like oh, the other one, Moses. That's right. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's yeah. husband, yeah. right? Chris, yeah. what's his name? Yeah. Chris Martin. This is a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. I mean, I will say this. They're really beautiful, well-constructed songs. I just, they don't resonate with me the way they do with other people, but it's like U2 is that way. You know, uh, U2 is, you know, they're a fine band, but they don't resonate with me or click with me the way they do for a lot of people. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Well done, Jamie Cooley. Thank you very much. It's a fantastic list. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, excellent. Tomorrow, Sarah Dillon presents her uh, top five songs released in 2008. Now, do you have to go and modify your list because Jamie took one of your songs? No, but I think I might play a different Kings of Leon song. All right. Well. But no, I have my list. I have it all written down. Now I just I just need to figure out the order. I have to tell you, I can't. I don't have any other crossovers with any of you guys. And I came, like, within a hair's breadth of putting uh, Womanizer by Britney Spears on the list. Did you I see my email did. to you? Uh, I did, but... It was my VIP. Oh, really? My runner-up. Oh, I must have missed that. So, yeah, I almost put... <laughs> there was a couple different songs on that new Britney Spears album that I that I almost put on. And at the end, the end, I just didn't. And I didn't oh, put the in... The Amy one? The Amy one yeah. or Womanizer. And uh, there's a song called... Um, there's a song called Shattered Glass that's really good, too. And... I've already gotten a big ration of crap from people about not putting any Roger Klein in there, but there's only five slots. Get up my back. <laughs> All right. Uh, New shoes. So, Jamie Cooley, where can people reach yeah, you? Yeah, uh, so we'll kind of go around the room and wrap things up. So, Jamie, um, if you want to get in touch with you. Uh, don't really. No. Uh, would you prefer that they not? Yeah. They can. Should Could I be your, I'll be your people. You just say, I'm yeah. like, get in touch with my people. <laughs> 
check with Ricochet. Well, I guess if you want to... Uh, well, well, I mean, messages email is a really personal thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... Especially when it's pictures of your bosoms. Exactly. So, which is apparently going to be the bulk of the request today. <laughs> um, That's true. I guess I wouldn't want my inbox full of a bunch of boob requests. See, no. again, the difference yeah. between men and I women. Think I think I've ruined my contact information for today. Well, <laughs> all right, Jimmy Cooley. So, uh, really, all kidding aside, thank you so much for coming in. Thank I you mean, so much for having me. I was we, so nervous. We'll have you back, and okay. you, can, you can tell the story about how the rubber kind of met the road, because everybody else has told their story. We'll have you back to kind of talk about it and, you know, just to come uh, come hang out. So, and actually maybe read it. some news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we will we will talk to you soon. So, so best of all things, and the you know, tell that dad to call me if he has any problems. Seriously. All right. Don mm-hmm. Taylor. Uh, film.com. So, are you you are working on this list, or it's it's uh it's I am published now? Working on this list, it will be uh, on the site whenever I get it sent to them, and they put it there. And this is going to be your sort of uh, best DVD collections box that's packages of 2008. Yes. And uh, have you, I, on a, just a, a very specific note, have you seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? I haven't. Seen I, I keep. I did want to pimp one movie though. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, the Wrestler. I <laughs> Aronofsky. Uh, yes, I I saw this just, I got a DVD screener of it, and I saw it just as we were getting snowed in, yeah. and it is so amazing. I think, um, I don't want to say that it's the best movie of the year, because there are things I haven't seen, but it is the movie that affected me personally the most of anything I saw I have year. heard that it's jaw-dropping. It is. Um, Mickey Work is just amazing. The film itself is just awesome. Next time you come back, we'll talk more about it. Okay. Absolutely. All right, Don Taylor, thank you so much. Uh, uh, Rick Emerson, Joe Produce Today and Every Day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom, Jamie Cooley on the phone. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Ed McCarthy, Lisa Desjardins, and Bob Costantini, as well as Don Taylor from Film.com. And once again, Jamie Cooley. Like us next, Michael Maris Show at 7. See you all tomorrow. And our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you all tomorrow at 10 uh, for the recap. I'd love for the show. Bye now. Bye.